0: And welcome into episode nineteen of Fatal to Prejudiced. Uh, thank you for being here. Um, if you're listening, please go ahead and like, drop a review, uh, download the episode, like, share it with friends, family, all those fun things. Really helps. Really appreciate it. Um, anyway, I got my buddy Jomar here, and uh, he's here to share his story. He's also um, in the electrical business, as uh, our buddy Pedro from episode six, 16 um, So if you listen to that, there might be a little, little overlap, but don't worry about it. This is Jomar's story. <laughs> this one, <laughs> this one's not for
1: Pedro. <laughs> so thank you for being here, Jomar. Appreciate it. I appreciate you having me. Uh, excited to spend uh, the next couple of hours uh, talking about my life. I guess we'll see how much material we have. Right. <laughs> You're right. Right. Well, I mean,
0: it's your story. You've lived it. So (laughs) I'm excited to uh, hear it. Um, I met, let's see, we met. So we met a while ago. I think it was like a little over a year ago or something where it was more just like a pass by. Hey, how are you doing? Uh, How's life? Introduce ourselves. Um, But let's see, we got to sit down. It was the first time I met Pedro. Yeah. Uh, so I got to meet both of you, like actually talk to you for the first time. That was back in November, no, early December of last uh, year. November. Uh, no, November uh, was? Yeah, it? it was okay. November. Oh, um, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we got together and shared some pretty wild uh, whiskey oh, and yeah. fun stories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's always a good time when we get to do that. Uh, unfortunately, it's not often enough.
1: And that's unfortunate.
0: Yeah. Um, so here we are today sharing, sharing some pores, sharing some stories. So yeah, let's, uh, let's get into it. All so,
1: right. uh, you're also from Puerto Rico. Yes, sir. Um, born and raised, born in 85. Um, and, um, yeah, I was born and raised 23 years, uh, lived down there. In a uh town called uh Isabela. It's on the west coast uh, Isabela. Isabela. Okay. Uh, just like the name but with just with one L. Right? Okay. Uh so basically uh complete opposite from where Pedro grew up. So Pedro grew up more towards San Juan and the capital, right? And I'm I was more of a west coast uh kid and uh, yeah. we lived there uh basically throughout my whole life, you know, before I I moved to Ohio but uh, but yeah um, only child and um, you know my parents they uh, got got married in 1980 and um, they my mom had some issues trying to get pregnant right and uh, then she went under a lot of treatments and uh, finally I was born in 1985 and uh, I don't know if it was due to all the treatments or whatever but from the pictures right uh she had a huge belly and i was a really big baby i was 11 pounds 10 ounces so you're a big boy i was a big boy i was a big boy and um you know after a while they they tried i think to to get a, a sibling but it just never happened right so i was just you know uh was the only only one and um you know and most people say well only child you know tend to be conceited you know selfish and whatnot and and in my opinion right um they did a pretty good job raising me because i'm i feel like i'm the complete opposite in terms of you know sharing for others and not thinking about myself and and all that so um but yeah um luckily i had a a lot of friends growing up so that kind of helped ease that um need i guess to have a sibling
0: right What was, so you grew up uh, on the complete opposite side of the island Mm -hmm. as Pedro. Did you guys grow up, you guys grew up there like the same time, right? Because he's only a couple years older. Yeah, I think he's only
1: two years uh, younger than me, yeah. Okay,
0: so he's a little younger than you. Uh, So Pedro kind of talked about like what it was like growing up Mm -hmm. around that side of the island. What was it like over there? I feel like that side is more like the touristy because it's the capital area and like. I don't know. I'm making the assumption that it's probably not like that. <laughs> well,
1: I mean, it's not like that in the sense that there's no big hotels or at least there, there weren't any at the time. Yeah. Uh, right. It was more, uh, I guess, uh, rural in a sense, yeah. but, uh, but at the same time, and I think Pedro can attest to this, right. Uh, the West is, uh, known for having some of the best beaches in, in Puerto Rico. So, uh, tourists from from the US and from everywhere kind of Always kind of shifted towards that because of the surfing that was uh, available to them. Okay. so while there wasn't a, a you know, a, a very big touristy spot like as far as Restaurants hotels and all that is concerned uh, It has some touristy aspects um, of it and you know, I my house well, we live first in the, in the suburbs of uh, Isabela near the town, and then we moved closer to, to the beach. And ironically enough, I, I was never a beach bum. You know, I, I spent some time there, uh, not gonna lie, but it's just one of those things that, since you have so close to you, you kind of take for granted. And you're like, okay, you know, I can go wherever, whenever I want. And, uh, you know, now more than ever, you kind of just miss that. Or, oh man, I wish I would've, you know, taken advantage of living so close, maybe learn how to surf or, or to boogie board or whatever, right? <laughs> but um, but no, growing up there was was fantastic. Um, you know, in in our first house, like I was saying, it was a suburb, and I didn't get to um, I guess have many friends. I just had um, one one neighbor who lived two houses down from us, and he was basically my only neighbor uh, friend. And then after a few years, he moved. And, you know, I was just, I did a lot of things by myself. I was, uh, I was very creative in and, in, in how I, I, you know, play with my toys and all that. I always had a, a shitload of GI Joe figures and, and Ninja Turtles and all this stuff. And I had a wrestling ring and I used to, I remember this, like, just like yesterday, I used to wrestle with my GI Joes and I had this, uh, Rhett felt pen. I used to like, you know, draw blood on them and, and everything. And, <laughs> That's awesome. um, and I had a blast on myself, you know, and I used to like the same action figures. I would just go outside and, and, and do like movie scenes with them and all this stuff and shoot hoops in in the backyard. So, so yeah, that, that was mainly in, in that first house. And then we moved. And to our surprise, uh, my dad bought a piece of property. And, you know, he wanted to build his own house. And my buddy, Jason, was actually lived in the neighborhood there as well. Um, so when they moved, uh, that's exactly where they went. And uh, we didn't know, so it was just by chance that it happened. So, and I think I was probably, I wanna say maybe 11, 12 years mm-hmm. old at the time. Um, and, and, you know, it, Dad built the house and we, I basically spent all my time there before uh, coming here uh, to the States. So I was able to kinda, you know, uh, grow into, you know, like a young adult in that house. And there were lots of kids there. Um, so that, you know, I was able to, to get outside more and, and, and do lots of things, you know, with my friends. It was main, basically, you come home from school, you go outside, do whatever, and then you just come back when the sun's out um so yeah and, and yeah like i said i mean growing up is just mainly being outside uh, doing whatever whether it was a pickup basketball uh riding skateboard uh playing hide and seek riding your bikes you know we, you can get into any type of things like that in puerto rico lots of woods too so you can just take a stroll through the woods and um and you just never know what you're gonna get into so that's fantastic um i it's so cool hearing you say that because
0: I grew up in like rural Ohio, uh, but I didn't have any like neighbors really, mm-hmm. uh, and I was like the only kid close by that yeah. um, was my age. Right, it was either older than me or people were just having babies. But mm-hmm. like I had a very similar thing where I had Ninja Turtles, I had GI <laughs> Joe's I would have a wrestle. Like I was an only child, awesome. you know. It's it's cool to have. You know the same experience in rural Ohio as you did, um, you know, out in Puerto Rico, and you're just about ten years older than me, or so. Yeah. So it's cool having that like ten year difference, and then also a the same, you know, only child growing up.
1: Yep. Yep, and and you know, and and a lot of us in the neighborhood also played like little league baseball together. Mm-hmm so you know we saw each other basically the entire week even on weekends and you know we used to go to the park and play and practice as we got older right um, you know some of us actually got into amateur baseball and and whatnot so took it a little bit more more serious right but no it was a it was a fantastic time um, um, to be around uh, there and and growing up and, and being able to enjoy all these things for sure Yeah. What was, uh, what was school like? So that, that was one of the things that Pedro maybe touched uh, on this a little bit, but the public school system in Puerto Rico perhaps isn't the best. Yeah. So I compare uh, the facilities here in Ohio the first time I saw them to what we have down there, and it's night and day. Um, and, and you know, not even close. And, and one of the things that my dad used to do or used to say was, well, I'm going to put you in a private school, and my priorities are my mortgage, food on the house, and your school. Those are the last three things I will always pay um, before I, you know, do anything else. So he made it a priority to keep me in that private school, right? So I I was in in that school from pre-kindergarten all the way up to high school, so to 12th grade. And similar to Pager, I mean, everything is in English. The uh, Textbooks are in English. Um, and, and even some of the teachers like, teach in English as well, but some do in Spanish. And, but I mean, you, you're just reading the books all the time and you just kinda you know, get used to the language as well. But, right. but school was really fun uh, for me. I, I actually met my, my best friend um, in pre-kindergarten. I've known this guy since we were like three and a half years old and um he's in puerto rico today and you know we've been best friends since i can't even remember you know he was my best man at my wedding i hope to be his best man in his but um but now like uh, in growing up in in school we always had this close group of friends about six seven eight of us right and it's funny because everyone kind of joined at a different stage like, uh, so Jose is his name but Nobody's called him that since he was probably five years old. Everyone calls him Pucho. And um, so me and him been together since pre-kindergarten. And then others like Robert joined in fifth grade, Jason in 10th, um, and uh, Carlos, he, he's been since kinder. Um, so, it, you know, it, and we all kind of stayed together, you know, through through all that, even through, through graduation. And to this day, like, you know, we, we have a separate chat where we just, you know, still talk daily, uh, for the most part, you know, every time I go down there, we get together. Um, Poocha was actually up here, um, just this, these holidays. Um, so yeah, we, we see each other, um, quite often, not as often as we should, but, uh, but that group of friends helped me get through school a lot. It, it was, It was a lot easier right because you know the fact that I didn't have siblings right but I had a group of friends at home but then I also had a very close group of friends in school right and and to this day like I mentioned right I mean the the, my school buddies you know that's that's my crew that's my family right yeah and I don't I don't unfortunately I don't keep in touch that much with the uh, the folks that used to be my neighbors right but um, but that that close group of friends from school. I mean, we've we've remained true to the true to each other, and uh, to this day, you know, we we talk uh, almost on a daily basis. That's amazing.
0: Do they do they still live down in Puerto Rico?
1: Yep. All so not all of them. So so Felix, uh, he he joined us in tenth grade as well. I was his, his best man. And he actually came to Ohio. Oh really? Yeah. So he 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 went to Wright State. Uh, right out of high school and when I came to intern which we'll get into a little bit later you know he was in Ohio so he he now lives in Indiana Um, so yeah exactly so he's not too far and then um, another Jose that's in our crew he lives in upstate New York and then everyone else is down in Puerto Rico still yeah Uh, what took him to New York just out of curiosity same thing that took me here work just work Yeah. yeah
0: okay yeah. That's so cool that you guys are I mean, there's three of you that are relatively close and the others are still in Puerto Rico yeah. You all still connect.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, 100% and like I said that that's my fam and um, You know even as we grow older, we'll, we'll get even closer So yeah, especially with kids, you know, you know, cause we get to enjoy Each other's kids and see them playing around just like we used to do back in the day So it's, right. it's quite an amazing experience.
0: That's awesome. is there uh is there any like stories that come to mind of all you kids like hanging out the like memories oh yeah that
1: uh you want to mention there was one i think this was probably in our senior year um and you know we were in 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 the same town of the school right and i can't remember i think it was during the summer because we we didn't have school that day but uh, another one of our buddies uh, and he invited us to his place. And we were going to go um, boogie boarding uh, on a beach that they call the ruins down in, in Aguadilla. Sounds welcoming. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, because literally they have ruins of, um, I think it used to be some sort of building or, or, or something that was down there. So all, the only thing that, that's left is basically the beach and then the building kind of just uh, crumbling down. So we went down there and um you know we we boogie boarded and i and i, I think we used um a four-wheeler as well to get uh, down there it's very rocky and, and hilly yeah but there was a point where uh another one of our buddies like they he took the four-wheeler with rolling and, and i was left with uh pucho and we needed to get over to the other side of the beach and this guy and i uh basically and i don't know why we did this i'm trying to remember why but i don't know if, I can't remember the reason but we basically walked probably like a mile through just pure rock along the coast like I I I can't remember if there was there wasn't any sand I would hope because we we were really dumb if if there was sand and we didn't walk through it (laughs) but um, we basically walked a mile through razor-sharp rock and to this day we always call that experience cliffhanger because that's that's exactly what it felt like and you know after that we actually went up to what's today a hotel at the time it used to be an abandoned hospital and it, it they people used to say that it was uh, haunted or, or some weird shit was going on because there was supposedly some satanic cult going on in the basement Interesting. And, and they had all these drawings and whatnot and and you know like, we were obviously scared uh, to go in, um, but we went in and it was dark. And, um, you know, I, I think our buddy Roland set it up so that his other buddies kind of were just yelling and, and, and screaming all the way through, you know, in other rooms of the, of the hospital um, to kind of scare us. But um, just going through that and just the rush of going in and, you know, without not really knowing what to expect. Uh, was a really cool experience and, and something that I still remember vividly to this day. Was there like any sort of signs of that satanic cult yeah. around? Th- there were weird drawings all over the place, man. Like, uh, like some of those symbols and and whatnot, and, and like you could see them. Now I don't know if there was actually any proof, right? But there were certain weird drawings near the entrance of what the basement I guess uh, was at the time. Could have been like. Just kids with spray paint. One hundred percent. It could have been, um, but you know, at the time, it was like, oh wow, look at that. You know, we, we didn't know, yeah. we didn't care. So it just added to the suspense of the whole experience. And today, it's a Marriott Hotel, hotel and casino. Yeah, it's a really nice one.
0: Down. They tear the hospital down. And no, just... they
1: basically remodel it completely. Wow. Yeah. No, it's it's amazing. It's uh, they did uh, like a pool and uh like a kid's area brand new casino it's it's amazing what they did with the place that's awesome Uh,
0: it's good to see that they like revitalized it yeah i mean it's also tourism so yeah i don't know is there any other like fun stories that come to mind
1: with the old crew um you know i we just used to get into um Again, it, they were small things, but but just you know at the time you're 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 so young that everything is just a rush. Like even something as simple as taking a a bike ride, right? I remember in, in around our neighborhood we used to um, take these what we call longer you know bike rides through different neighborhoods and and that were adjacent, and just passing through a house that always had. A bunch of dogs out, outside because uh, you know in puerto rico people don't keep their dogs inside the house interesting they're always outside and whether they're um you know in in, in a fenced-in location or they unfortunately they put you know chains up on them and, and whatnot but some people just let them loose like you know they're there but never inside the house but they're wherever they want to be and just Riding our bikes through that street with the rush that we knew those three, four dogs or whatever they were were gonna come chasing, you know, chase us afterwards, um that to us was like the biggest thing, and you think about it, and you're like, man, that's lame as fuck, you know <laughs> <laughs> but but at the time you know you you're a kid and you're like, man that that just means everything in the world for you, you know, just just being away from home because your, your parents don't know where you are and they think you're close by, but you're really, like, you know, in a completely <laughs> different neighborhood. And, and going through that, you know, was, uh, was an amazing for us. Yeah. It's
0: it's so cool just listening to the stories of, you know, growing up before technology, Yeah, you know, before it got to be what it is today and what it will be in the future. Yeah. This is, like, the last – generation of playing outside until the street lights come on and I agree. That.
1: And, and and to me, you know, I always say that that the the kids that grew up in that, you know, the eighties and, and the early nineties, you know, they, they had it good because they got to experience both sides of the spectrum because yeah. they grew up outside, right? But also they got exposed to the first computers that started coming out, right? And and then the vi- video game consoles. So yeah. Well, we ha- well we had that. Uh, like I, I had like a Super Nintendo and eventually like a PlayStation and N sixty four. But like we played a couple hours. But then it was mostly s- time spent outside. Yeah. And and having that balance, um, whereas today, like I'm lucky, I guess, and my daughter likes to go outside. But most of the time, she's inside. Mm-hmm. You know. And uh, for us, having that, I guess, flexibility and 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 That experience and that balance I think uh, was a great thing yeah absolutely I think it's a great
0: thing um, like not just back then but like you mentioned today like with your daughter it's like you can see that change and you have that experience of like let's go play outside and let's go you know entertain ourselves this way but you can also understand the like entertaining yourself with YouTube
1: videos or whatever cartoons all that yeah Yeah, And as far as high school is concerned, one thing that always bugged me um, was that, so I don't know if if it's done here in the States, but um, they had this trip to Washington, D.C. that was called Close Up. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we have it. Okay. I I think at a lot of schools. I didn't have it personally in high school,
1: but a lot do, I think. So it's funny because I had never been on a plane. I, I think the first time I got on a plane, I was probably 18 years old. Okay. Um, and this was in our junior year that they take the junior class basically every year to Washington, D.C. and kind of tour the area and whatnot. And when it was our time, it was 2000 and 2001. Oh, wow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. So I wasn't going to go because, uh, you know, my dad, um, you know, while well, he made a decent living, I mean, he worked in the banking industry his whole career, you know, 30, 35 years. But um, I don't think he ever made over 35 grand a year. Right. And then you, you think about it now and you're like, man, he maintained a house with only 35 grand a year. It's impressive, right? Right. But I I digress, right? at the time he said, Well, you know, I, I can't I can't fund your trip. And I was like, well that's fine. You know, I, I won't go. But um I was always one of the I guess uh, straight A students in yeah. in high school. And so the teacher who was organizing it, um, when she didn't see my name on the list, she asked, you know, Hey Joe Mark, like, why why are you not coming? It's like I say, Hey, like, my dad can't afford it. You know and she said well let me see what I can do for you and the next day she says well I found this scholarship that I can give you and it'll pay for half of your trip can you cover your other half and I was like I'll ask my dad and that said well that's fine let's do it so we plan everything I even had my roommate and and you know we were all excited and then 9-11 happened
0: so you, this was, like, right at the beginning <laughs> of was, the school year. it was
1: right in August. Like, yeah. you know, this is, and 9-11 happened. And I remember this very vividly as it happened. Like, you know, they took us out of the classrooms and all that. Even though, it, like, and you, and you think about the impact of, of that event, right, not just in the states but, but everywhere, right? I mean, we're right. talking in, in Puerto Rico to a bunch of high school kids and, and how that was felt there, right? And after that, every single parent was like, no way I'm letting my kid go on that trip. right No way. And the organizers of the trip acknowledged, obviously, higher risk. Um, They understood why parents would react that way. So they offered, I think it was a 50% discount, and parents still said no. So I will always take with me, and I will always be pissed that my class was the only class in our school history that didn't get to go on that trip. Oh, wow. Thanks a lot, Bin Laden. <laughs> Thanks, Bin Laden. You asshole. Because <laughs> <laughs> my wife, that that's, I met my wife in, in high school, right? I mean, we we're high school sweethearts and she was one year younger than me and her class, which was after ours, they, they were able to go. And like every class after that went as planned normally. Wow, ours was the only one that didn't get get to go. I think one of the most interesting facts
0: about that story is it was just 2001 class. Mm -hmm. That was it. The year after, fine, go ahead, exactly. But like, you know, here in the states, it was still a scare to Mm -hmm. fly anywhere. You know, even a year or two, three years after. Yeah, and the trip of high school kids. They're going right year after. And it didn't happen
1: for us. Wow. Which was unfortunate. But it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. But have you been to D.C.? I have, yes. Okay. I was able to make it, um, you know, I think it was maybe five, six years ago. Um, great city. Yeah. Great city. Um, went with the wife and uh, a couple other friends, um, and we, we had a blast, you know, able to go to all the museums got to experience many bars restaurants it was a great experience and then I was able to go for work as well um, a couple of years ago so oh, awesome. pre-covid yeah yeah uh, so you
0: mentioned that you met your wife in mm-hmm. high school do you want to yeah. talk about
1: that I don't think I've had any like <laughs> high
0: school sweethearts yeah on. On here before, so this is cool.
1: Yeah, no, we we met in we met in high school. I I tell this story to our five year old daughter, um, and she she's asked me a few times to repeat it because she likes it. But um, so my wife used to um, do something in her hair where she used these what I recall as red chopsticks. She swears there was something else that you know woman used for her hair. I recall them as chopsticks right and she used to do this thing like with the back of her hair that I kind of liked and I was like huh uh, I don't know that that girl I don't know like kind of like her that thing she's doing with the chopsticks like <laughs> I kind of dig that right and I was uh, really close friends with uh, one of her best friends at the time and you know, one thing led to another and we started talking when I was in uh, the 11th grade and that went on to my senior year. I mean, we were never a thing up until my last semester of my senior year and we were at a bowling alley and um, she was there too. I was there with my buddies and you know, there were a couple other folks from, from, the, from the junior class and she was there and you know we got to talking and um i guess all of a sudden she grabbed my hand and (laughs) next thing you know we we were a thing you know and we started going out officially met her parents um she met mine and on may 23 uh 2003 we became officially a couple so i couldn't get rid of her after that so (laughs) i'm just getting honey i'm just getting honey um. So yeah, that's that's how we we became an item. Basically, oh, that's amazing.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. And now, now your daughter can be like daddy. Tell me the story. Yeah, and you'd be like, sure. all right. Well, this is the minute in the podcast you can <laughs> listen to it here. I don't have to repeat it again, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, I
1: mean that, that's 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 how we met. And um, you know, after a while, it was I went to college, and, and like I mentioned, she was one year younger. Right. So. Uh, she stayed in high school and you know I, I guess we're, we're diving into college now um, but um, yeah, go for it but you know with and college was a little bit different right because I, I mentioned right I was playing amateur baseball at the time and I dropped it completely when I started college because you know my dad was always like well what are you gonna go to school for you should go to school for engineering And to be quite honest, which uh, I didn't know what an engineer did, all I knew was that it made decent money and you only had to spend four or five years completing your bachelor's or you could find a job, you know. So I was like, all right, um, I can deal with that. So I never had a huge study habit in high school. Like I could read the material for a test one, two days before, and I would go and get an A. So I knew I had to develop that yeah. um, in college. And it was the same college as Pedro, um, basically the best engineering school that we have down in yeah. the island, which you know compares and ranks pretty well with you know some of the schools here in the states. But I knew I had to develop that habit, so I kind of used that first year to try to establish that. So I don't think I went out more than three times my first semester. I was just trying to get that habit done and you know after that first semester I was able to get I, I think I got a 4.0 that first semester so I was like okay you know what um, I think I got it I think I know what I need to do figured out this college yeah. stuff I think I need a little bit more balance right so then in my second semester things started you know a little bit uh, I guess to normalize a little bit I, I a little bit more balance, I started going out a little bit more, um, and, you know, still kind of making studies a priority, but basically I, I dropped everything from, I think I I tried to um, sign on for the baseball team, and the practice that they were going to make the cut, I couldn't go because I had a night test, and, um, you know, I kind of missed my window there, But um, but to be honest, it was probably the the best thing uh, that happened because I was just able to focus on my studies and I was able to truly enjoy college in that sense because I mean the classes there um, they're they're difficult just like any other college right but um, but the whole experience of of just being you know living in town walking to college and and just being on your own even though the campus was only maybe 45 minutes away from my parents house so I could have easily Traveled back and forth, technically speaking, right? Yeah, but um, but no, like we we chose to live off campus, and a lot of the same buddies from high school, uh, basically live with me. Were my roommates in in you college as well? College. Most of us, right? Okay, and then like 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 Pucho and and some others, they went to uh, another school, but it was only thirty minutes away. So they were most of the week. They actually. Uh, travel to to our school to you know at night just to go out play dominoes you know whatever the case it may have been um, so just that experience of, of living on your own with your friends and, and getting into all sorts of different shit but at the same time taking care of your schoolwork and whatnot it was a really amazing experience um, I, I those were probably one of, a, a very Good stage in my life, I yeah. guess. What
0: well, what happened in college? Did there, uh, you know, you had some pretty like cool stories? You guys being friends in high school. I'm sure, I'm sure things degraded in college for drinking and stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, and it was so cheap to get hammered too, man. Oh yeah, because. <laughs> Cause I mean, things in the touristy areas are expensive, but when it comes to college campuses down there, like I remember, I used to go to my um, grandma's house. My aunt used to live with her, and they both they both had passed since. But my 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 aunt used to give me twenty bucks every week, right? And with those twenty bucks, I could eat, I could drink, and it would last me the whole week. Wow, twenty bucks then as time went on i had a little bit more help right so before just before i started college my dad retired from work and so i was eligible for like federal aid and so i got that and then after my first complete school year i had above a 3.5 so i i got all my credit hours paid for and so basically all the federal aid I didn't need to use for my studies. I could just use for whatever I wanted, basically, right? Yeah. And and then on top of that, through my dad's uh, work, I had a another scholarship that they used to give to employees' kids or retirees' kids, right? So I was also eligible for that. So here I am, 18, 19 years old, and I'm getting quite a bit of money at the time, you know? Um, and I don't have to pay for my studies because they're paid for. So you would just go out and get hammered pretty much all the time, maybe two, three, four days out of the week, <laughs> as long as you didn't have a test, right? right. And you know, we used to do um, parties all the time because at, at, we, we were able to live in houses and I'm sure it's the same up here, right? I mean, we had, and we moved almost every other year, which was a pain. Um, but every year it got better. Like we, we had a small, uh, dingy house the first year. Then we moved to something a little bit better, more spacious. And then we moved to town, the basically the other part of town. And that's where we got like a a full house, like a four bedroom, two bathroom house with living room and everything. Um, and we used to do uh, pretty cool parties there. And you know you just start drinking since six all the way up to almost four or five in the morning. <laughs> I, I obviously can't do that anymore. Oh yeah. But, when, uh, but when you're but, that age you yeah can't. you have you just have so much energy um right and and, and it would you know, I don't want to sound too graphic, right? But even if you were drinking too much and you kinda felt like throwing up, you just throw up and continue drinking, right? You know, yep, like you kinda wipe your mouth, your mouth and, and you're good to go. And continue drinking and It was amazing just just uh, the level of energy I I do have one story that um, we went to Halloween party um, once and it was a fraternity party and they they used to host them in this old casino and that this was probably our fourth year and I was with uh, one of my one of my friends uh, female friends that she's actually in Ohio. She she came to intern with me. Yeah, uh, okay. And we'll get into that later. But um, I don't know what the heck happened. We had just gotten there. I was dressed as Peter Pan, and um, I actually won a costume contest some other nice. time. dressed as Peter Pan. But um, but I don't know what happened. Me and my roommate were were there, and all of a sudden this girl just falls flat on her face. Like literally just, she's sitting there and boom. And we pick her up and notice she's missing a tooth. Like completely <laughs> went off. Oh, and shit. we're like, what the fuck? Like what <laughs> happened to you? you? You barely finished your drink. So she couldn't even stand. She couldn't do nothing. So our oh theory God. was that perhaps something put something, some, you know, some type of a pill or something on her drink because it made no sense um and you know so my buddy and i had to leave early the party because he literally could not stand on her two feet Jeez! so we took her (laughs) to her apartment and as we were trying to help her um to to her place her roommate comes out and and basically thinks that you know we got her drunk or whatever. Like she starts literally arguing with us, like uh, like we're so irresponsible and whatnot. And you know we're like, hey man, like chill. Like yeah, we're just it's trying. It's not to, what it looks yeah, like. Exactly, it's not what it looks like because you know you see two two males right bringing a female like that. You know, you yeah. I can understand where you you think um, something bad happened and something did bad happen, but not what she was thinking, right? right and you know she was in such a condition that we had to call an ambulance and everything Oh my God! and we rushed her uh through the hospital and that day uh didn't sleep at all at all like we stayed in the hospital all night with her and i think the end result was that someone actually put something on her drink oh my god and and you know i, I had never been through anything like that you know with any of my friends but um but it just opens your eyes that you know there's there's bad people everywhere right and you know after a while she went to the dentist and got her tooth fixed but um that's a story that uh i always remember because i just remember her falling you know right you know right with her face on the ground it was just man like it was rough was there anyone
0: around her that like was acting suspicious, like they were like ready to jump on that opportunity. Like someone you would expect to put something in her drink.
1: No, we didn't see any. I mean we got so when we got her the drink, I mean it was the same drinks that my buddy and I were drinking. Yeah so you know, I I just don't know. That's wild. Someone maybe just like walked by and was like
0: Fuck this drink in particular it, exactly like it, it, it could have it been something like, like that. Gone. Like
1: I, I truly don't know But oh um, God, that was what the doctor crazy. told told us That uh, Someone definitely uh, messed up with her drink. So wow, it's
0: amazing that They were able to pull that off and like she was that messed up over it. Like, yeah. She couldn't even walk
1: Yeah, no, it, it was bad. It was bad um, I hope she's okay. Oh, no, she's fine. She's <laughs> fine. She's, uh, you know, she's, she does very, very good for herself, you know, has her own family now, so she's completely fine. Um, she so still know her to this day. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. She she's she's in Ohio like I said. Uh, she came here as well. So What's with,
0: what's with coming to Ohio? I Let's talk know, about man. that real quick. <laughs> <laughs> You've mentioned so many people coming to Ohio. I know.
1: I know. I, and and I don't know why, right? I mean, at least for me, it was similar to Pedro, right? You know, we when we're studying electrical engineering especially when you're specializing in the power industry there's not many opportunities down in puerto rico and there's one power utility down there and it used to be government owned so to get a job you had to know someone who knew someone who knew someone and it was virtually impossible right and then there are other factories and industries down there like hewlett packard for example um but they'll do mostly like electronic Thing. So not really power related. Yeah. You could do that. A lot of my buddies did that. They went and worked for Honeywell, for example, or, or Hewlett Packard. And, you know, not really using what they specialized in. And that's fine. I kind of didn't want to do that. But don't get me wrong. I tried staying at home. I, I tried in the career fairs. Um, actually, when I got the internship for, for where I work today, it was funny because... I, the career fair, as Pedro mentioned, is huge. Many companies go down there um, to recruit um, the the many of the engineers in, in, in Puerto Rico, right? And, you know, I I think I shot my resumes to maybe three or four folks. Cause I, at that point I knew what I wanted. You know, I, I wasn't, when you first go in there, you're just almost to a point you're, you're starstruck because yeah. you see like, oh, NASA, oh shit, like, I want to go work at NASA, you know, right. you see Microsoft. Oh, wow. You know, and you see all these companies and and you're like, oh, wow. Like I here here's my resume. Right. But then, a- exactly. Then after a while you're like, okay, so this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm specializing in. This is, these are the booths. I'm going to go. So I went to, I think four and I got interviews for three of them. And the night before, <laughs> I actually went drinking and I think I got home like maybe like five in the morning. Oh my God. And my first interview was like nine, if I recall correctly. Oh man! Um, and lo and behold, man, I got offers from all the interviews that I did that day. Wow. <laughs> so I don't know how I pulled it off. I don't know how they didn't, um, catch the smell of alcohol, uh, in me, but uh, I was able to ace my interviews and I was able to get offers for, from all of them. And, um, that's how I ended up in Ohio. Do you mind <laughs> if I ask the, the other places that you got offers from? Yeah. So I got offered from, um, from a, another electric utility in Virginia called dominion. And I got another offer from, uh, general electric up in, um, it was upstate New York at okay. the time. Uh, yeah that's
0: uh, that's pretty awesome out of all these places
1: yeah and um, I ended up coming to to Ohio um, because one of my good buddies uh, Stephen he also had an offer to come here so I saw that as an opportunity I was like oh man I mean, going with someone you know it's yeah. always better right? right especially when you're um, you know, go into a place you don't know. Like, if you were to ask me, where do you think you were gonna end up, I would have never said Ohio. Yeah. You know, me being from Puerto Rico, no, never would have guessed that. And you know, I asked him, was like, well, what are you gonna do? it's like, well, I think I'm gonna go to Columbus, Ohio, and you know, do the co-op. It's if it's a full semester, they call it a co-op. Uh, mm-hmm. Summer, they call it internship, but it's essentially the same thing. But so I was like, all right, I'll just. Join you, whatever, because upstate New York, it's not like Manhattan, right? No. So it's like nothing to do there. I, I didn't know shit about Virginia either. So I was like, I'd just rather be in in Ohio with at least someone I know, right? Yeah. And that's how uh, we ended up here uh, for the first time. And then I, I came back for a second term, um, and my roommate was actually the my friend who knocked her front teeth out. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that had happened already, if I recall. I think that experience had happened. So she, she had had her front two or three plays at the <laughs> time. But no, so she was my roommate. And, and that second term, we did a, a couple good, you know, better things um, because we already knew, or at least I knew the the city, uh, right? So we got to go to Cedar Point, Kings Island. We went to a Reds game. that uh, They were playing the Cubs. Uh, crew games when um, David Beckham was playing for the LA Galaxy, they came up here, so we went and, and caught that. And I don't know if you've been—you probably don't go to Gahana that much—but there's this, this there's this pub right across where we used to live called Jordan's Pub, and that's where we used to spend most of our Fridays, Saturdays, and sometimes Sunday. And I always say. They bought a big-ass TV screen after I came back and I always say that I helped fund that because I left so much of my money in that place being <laughs> there three days every week that um, that it was it was just crazy but is it was it, a good time is the good time. pub still there yeah still there that's awesome we should go sometime I've never we been. should I mean it's 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 dingy it's beat up but um, but yeah I wouldn't mind
0: okay <laughs> I, I'm down to go. I'm always down to go to a new place. Uh, it sounds like a nice, um, uh, like a dive bar. It's
1: yeah, that's exactly what it is. They have yeah. a deli, too, um, right okay. next door. But, yeah, I mean, that, that, that second internship term was was really nice. And, and I had Jason and Bucho also c- came up here because Metallica was playing. And they were like, man, I want to go because they, they, you know, they hadn't played in Puerto Rico since, I don't know, the 90s. I think so. They haven't been able to see them, so they flew up here. And if you recall, Felix was in Ohio, so he came yeah. from Dayton. And basically, the four of us spent the whole weekend together. It was a great time. Saw Metallica. Um, you know, went to some places. Went up to Cleveland to the uh, um, not the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We went to a Cavs game actually. Oh wow! So LeBron was still in his first. Term, I guess, with the Cavs, and they were yeah. playing the Pacers. Um, Paul George was still there, um, so we caught a game. Went to uh, what's that restaurant? Why? The Hard Rock there in Cleveland. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, we just had a nice weekend among friends. It was, uh, times were much simpler then.
0: What what year was this?
1: This was in two thousand and eight, I want to say.
0: Two thousand and eight. Yeah. That sounds about right. So if my music history uh, remembers correctly, if my brain remembers music history correctly. That's when Metallica released one of their albums. So it makes
1: sense that it yeah. would be coming through. I think I think they had just released, what was it, Saint Anger? Something like that. Maybe a few years before that, because yeah. I think I was still in Puerto Rico when they released that. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I I, I was here only. On borrowed time, I guess. So yeah, I think that they released that a few years uh, later. Luckily, they didn't play too many songs from that album because it, it definitely wasn't their best work. That's one of the most hated ones. Right? Uh, I think so. <laughs> that and uh, probably the the maybe Reload. I think it's probably hated too. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a huge Metallica
0: fan, but I'm a music fan, so uh, I try to remember this stuff, but. Yeah. That's cool. You guys got like a whole Ohio tour. Really? Uh, yeah, some solid places like no one wants to go to Toledo, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I mean even Columbus. I mean, they didn't know what to expect which was yeah. funny because Every time you know, say, like, oh man, we got to go to fucking Ohio. Like uh, there's are just cows there Like, and it's right. like I, I try to explain like I literally have not seen a cow near to where <laughs> I live Like ever so I don't know what you guys are talking and when they came up here for the first time, they were like, oh, like this is like a normal city, you yeah. know? Um, and, you know, they got to experience and, and the second time they came up here, um, more of them actually came, Joel and Robert and, and uh, Jason and Jose came up here for Felix's wedding, he was getting married and they came up here and basically you know they got to see all the like the short north area and all that and they were like mm-hmm. okay this is like a normal city and I keep telling them guys like I know you're expecting like to see cows every time you come here but the same New York the same Vegas or Miami but it's a normal city like yeah. like I don't know what you're
0: expecting with the we're the smallest biggest city in America
1: yeah I think that's <laughs> probably the perfect way to describe
0: it yeah, yeah. Uh, we're a big city yeah we've got things not just cows yeah <laughs> <laughs> if you want to come to Ohio and see some cows <laughs> drive the opposite way from a big city
1: <laughs> exactly exactly uh, but now I mean the the whole coming to Ohio thing was was funny uh, even during the internships that I was doing here um, you know people used to ask me the weirdest of things um, you know oh well, you're from Puerto Rico um, well, do you need a green card, uh, to get here? I was like, no, man. Like, you know, it's it's, part of America, uh, part of America. We're a territory. Oh, okay. And I think the funniest questions probably were what type of restaurants do y'all have down there? And, um, what kind of cars do you have down there? Interesting. I'm like, well, man, I mean, we don't have any cars. Uh, the rich people, use horses uh, basically to get from town to town. And then the rest of us, you just got to walk. The guy was like, really? It's like, no man. Like we got the same <laughs> damn cars that you guys do up here. Come on, man. <laughs> and the same restaurants too. It was just funny. Like, uh, you know, a lot of people and, and they weren't mean about it. You know, they were just yeah. naturally, they didn't know. Right. So I, I kind of took the opportunity to kind of just educate people. Look, man, like in, in, we're, we're a territory of the U.S. and basically the same thing you got up here, we got down there. Um, and even on my final presentation, because they used to do it like a final presentation of everything you did, everything you learned, I, I kind of just dedicated a couple slides just to talk about Puerto Rico, right? And you know, mm-hmm. I showed them where it was on the map. Um, and basically, as a joke, I kind of put some of the questions that I was asked during the tournament, and I answered them, and it was it was a huge hit. People were laughing their asses off. So, so yeah, it, it was interesting. And even when I introduced myself, for some reason, Joe Mar is a really hard name to pronounce. Yeah. And I was like, okay, um, yeah, my name's Joe Mar, and they would be like, oh, okay, nice to meet you, Joe. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm <laughs> Joe. You know, it, it, it didn't bother me. I just find it funny, um, you know, that, that kind of culture shock as, as you kind of move into the states. Yeah, I I would have just fucked with people and been like,
0: we only have McDonald's and Applebee's and chilies.
1: <laughs> we don't have none of that. We don't even eat. Let me yeah. just tell you. I, I just have a garden in the backyard and I, I milk a cow every morning. <laughs> I fish. That's how basically I, I get any protein yep. in. I got um, two chickens, I lay, lay <laughs> eggs every day. <laughs> it's funny. But like um, all,
0: all jokes aside though, um, what's that like major cultural difference that you see like in Puerto Rico and then like here in America?
1: To be honest, a, a, a lot of it is kind of the same. I would just say some of the people um, like in, in neighborhoods, for example, like people in, in Puerto Rico tend to be much closer. Um, like every neighbor knows each other. Um, and in a way it, it's it's good, but it also in a way it's bad because it's almost like everyone's in everyone else's business in a certain way but um, But here in the States like I think I know maybe the name of My only one neighbor because he's lived maybe the same around the same time that um, that we moved into our house but uh, everyone just keeps to themselves. Everyone is kind of private. Um, and to be honest, at this age now that's that's my preference. Um, right. So I kind of enjoy that. Um, but that and then the other thing, which um, it, it may come as a surprise to you, is how people tend to follow rules when they're driving here. Oh, they suck. Well, that's... <laughs> and if you think they're bad, like me coming from Puerto Rico, like, Red light doesn't necessarily mean you stop. Um, (laughs) Stop signs doesn't necessarily mean you stop. You see an ambulance on the road, you don't need to stop, or people don't stop. So when I first came up here, and I noticed, like, in the suburbs and whatnot, how, like, on a four-way stop, people just slowly take their time and allow others, like, by order of arrival, you got here, you go. Then you got here, you go that shit don't exist in PR man. (laughs) Really? Everyone for themselves. It's like, get the fuck out of my way. Pretty much. And wow. And the same thing with like an emergency vehicle, like here, the first time I saw it, like I see everyone kind of just swerving, you know, And, and not, not swerving, but like pushing towards the curb. And I'm like, Oh shit. Like people actually follow rules here and that doesn't happen. That definitely doesn't happen. Down in PR. And I always used to say, actually not me, but my, my recruiter from um, from AEP used to always say, if you can drive in Puerto Rico, you can drive anywhere else in the world. And I think she was spot on with that comment. Because, yeah, and even potholes over there are freaking terrible. Just terrible.
0: Yeah, they're pretty bad here.
1: I but... know. I know they are. <laughs> they're still not they're as even, bad. They're even worse? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's not even close. How... What's
0: like the just like not taking care of the roads? Is that how they form
1: there? Yeah. So so what happens is that and and, and you know it's funny because it all comes down to the politicians, right? And yeah. and how they administer their their funds. And I always say that in Puerto Rico, politics is the number one sport. It's not baseball. It's not basketball. It's politics. And I think Pedro got into it a, a little bit, right? Where it's yeah. the blues and the reds those are the two parties and it's getting more divided now but essentially what these guys do is that they don't fix shit during their term except when it's election year when it's election year these guys will start walking through the neighborhoods oh yeah vote for me and whatnot oh hey what do you need oh i need you to fix this pothole and what they do is they'll just you know paper over it or whatever but they're not really fixing the road like they do here, right? Like I've seen right. how they fix roads here. Like they tear the whole shit down and they start basically from scratch. Right. They'll just, you know, fill the the pothole with whatever they find, and they call it fixed. And then we get same four years of the same shit again because people kind of fall for that. So I think in part that's why um, they just don't proactively fix the roads. Now the highway is another story. But you gotta pay a toll. So by paying tolls, I mean if if you don't fix that, then you know it's just ridiculous, right? Right. Uh, so the highways are in pretty good shape, but the rest of the uh, other roads are just junk for the most part. And I, and I think that's why just mayors and politicians just don't give a shit. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. The Pedro got
0: into it. We can get into it. Where it's like there's so many. There's what seventy eight mayors or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Uh, just on the tiny island of PR. Yep. And you said there was four political parties. There- yeah. So there. So okay.
1: yeah, there are four like major ones. E- exactly. But like two, like the, um, like I was saying, the blue and the red one, they have dominated Puerto Rico for the last century, right? These yeah. these other two have recently emerged, and they've stolen a lot of votes. I think Pedro got into, you know, the, the guy who won only had 33% of the vote. Yeah. So they're, they're stealing votes. Every every election that passes, they're, they're gaining more and more support, but they're still not there. You know, you still see, um, you know, the older people, the older generations just siding with the same damn parties. It yeah. doesn't matter, you could put a dog as a as a nominee and these motherfuckers will vote for him wow <laughs> like i'm serious <laughs> like i'm serious like it's it's, just... it's that bad and i used to you know god bless her heart and may she rest in peace with my grandma she used to be a a very red driven uh fanatic and i used to joke with her it's like you know why why are you even gonna go vote you don't even know like Who's nominated? He's like, I don't care. I'm just gonna vote for whoever is, and and that's it. That's what I've always done. And I'm like, right. okay. And in my opinion, if you can drive, then you shouldn't vote either. <laughs> that's what
0: I say. I like that. <laughs> uh, with the with the mentioning of the colors, you're not. Mm-hmm. You're just saying like that's more of uh, their title rather than like how we have here Democrat Republican. Right. Well, yeah. So yeah.
1: It, so one's um. Uh, their initials are like the PPD. It's like, um, popular democratic party, essentially How it's okay. translated. Um, and then the other one is like the new progressive party. And in a way you can kind of associate them. They're the blue ones, the uh, the PNPs. Um, you can associate them with kind of some of the Republican views here, whereas, okay. the the democratic party, you can kind of, See some similarities with the Democrats here as well. Okay. But they're reds. I think it, up in here it's the opposite, right? Yeah. Democrats are blue and.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. Saying the colors, so much easier to remember. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, but uh, but yeah, that, that's, that's been the main problem with the island, just the, the politicians. Um, and I think Pedro got into it with the hurricane. I mean, they really messed that up royally as well. So. Yeah. Um, that that is just crazy um
0: if if anyone listening hasn't like listened to Pedro talk about that that is just nuts how did how did your family and your friends fare during the hurricane
1: it was uh, so luckily they did fine Uh, uh, you know loss of power aside Um, you know, no properties lost, no lives lost, you know, everything was fine. Other than the aftermath, of course, right? But, um, no, but it was a really frightening experience for me because, you know, this monster of a hurricane was about to crush our island, right? And I remember talking with my dad and, you know, my mom today um, You know, she, well, since the last 10, 15 years, she's had Alzheimer's and dementia, right? And at, oh, the wow. t- at the time of the hurricane, it was bad. It wasn't as bad as it is today. And we'll get into that uh, a little bit later. But at the time, you know, as I was talking with my dad, the hurricane was just starting to hit. So, you know, and water was getting in. And, you know, it was just a bunch of rain, lots of wind. And as I'm talking with my dad, he tells me, hey, I got to let you go because water is getting in. You're on the phone I'm with I'm on him the phone with him as this is happening. This was the last time I spoke with him in, in maybe three weeks because wow. communication was go gone on. after yeah. that. And he tells me, this is the last thing he told me. He's like, I, I got to let you go because water's getting in. And your mom, you know, with the condition she had, instead of putting the water... In the bucket that he had she was actually throwing it on the floor so oh, it's like no. I gotta let you go it's like alright um, and then you try calling multiple times after that communications completely gone yeah and I didn't hear you know when <laughs> when that's the last thing you hear from your dad waters getting in you think the worst like oh like, right. shit like the whole house is gonna flood because you don't know to what level or, or even the, the I guess, the, um, the severity of what's going on down there. They're living it. You're just, you just hear about it. And, you know, it was only after three weeks that I got a call from a weird-ass phone, and it was my uncle who, through his work, he found uh, someone who, bar- uh, who he borrowed a satellite phone. And, you know, he was able to give me a call, and my dad was with him, and he said, oh, like, we're fine. Like water got a little bit into the house, but it wasn't too bad. So they were able to kind of, you know, get that taken care of. And, you know, they were just without power. And there were just so many poles and so many power lines, so many cable lines, so many phone lines, just down on the ground everywhere. Trees everywhere, blocking roadways, um, rivers and streams, you know, all over the place. So um, to get stuff. Like even to get gas, for example, because that that was the main thing. It was like gold, right? Because people wanted to fire up their generators. You know, I mean, we're talking three, four weeks. At the time, that's probably what they thought they were going to be without power. And I think as Pedro mentioned, some people were six months, and others it went on a year, some even more. Yeah, right. And if you're gonna fire up your generator, I mean gas becomes a luxury. And, you know, the lines to get 20 bucks worth of gas were hours long, hours. And, you know, it was a a tough thing. And, you know, after I spoke with my dad, you know, I kinda um, relaxed a little bit because I had that, you know, thing for for a couple weeks that I I didn't know how they were doing. And nobody could tell me, right? Because I would text my friends. They, they wouldn't get my texts. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that were still down in Puerto Rico, right? And it was just really stressful not, not having a clue what was going on. Uh, so when, when I was finally able to speak with them, you know, I kind of relaxed a little bit. And my wife was able to speak with her parents, which are also down there. Um, and, you know, they were also fine, uh, thankfully. So... So, no, I mean, after a while, it it recovered. And like I said, so my dad has always had a generator, so so has my father-in-law, so they were able to get by. Um, But it was rough. It was rough. And even after a few years, the first time I went down there after that hurricane, you could still see, like, stuff, you know, towards the curb. Like, you'll see, like, just trees, like, remnants of trees just lying there, like, never picked up. So um, it took them. A while to kind of recover uh, from that Wow
0: it's the the condition that happened and the whole situation it was bad but like it sounds like your family was very fortunate to mm-hmm. get absolutely everything back absolutely quickly. Um, where Pedro mentioned that his family it took him six months yeah. to get power back and
1: wow yeah I don't think ours was that long I think ours was maybe maybe three to four um or two to three months but but like i said with the generator you know that was able to get by and and not everyone you know has the luxury of having a generator down there so yeah yeah, we were fortunate enough to be able to get it wow um i'm so glad that you know
0: everyone's okay everyone survived and all that um that was yeah that was absolutely devastating and i kind of remember it um but you know, I was, I was a lot younger, so mm-hmm. it didn't affect me. So I didn't yeah, of really course. care. Right. Of um, but still like, Holy shit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was rough. Definitely rough.
0: Yeah. Um, so what I wanted to ask you earlier, uh, I asked Pedro and you kind of mentioned when people were asking you the like, questions mm-hmm. when you were up here, as you ha- had any of those other experiences with, um, like, People, I don't know, looking at you differently for, because you're from a different area or
1: like any sort of, I don't know, the best word for it is like racist mm-hmm. type of things. Actually, no. And and, and I consider myself fortunate. Um, right. And and then again, you know, I, I don't know. Is it because I'm, you know, maybe lighter skin than, you know, Pedro. Right. Um, but um, but no, I mean, luckily, I've, I've never um, had that happen. Not even at work. Um, you know, not, not even anywhere here in the States um, So I've been fortunate not to Have gone through that and I, there was a time I think that There were some events going on in the world. I can't remember um, How long ago that was but um, uh, you know, I when I'm like in Kroger or whatever with my wife, right? We tend to speak in Spanish and um, maybe somebody once hurt us and kind of gave us a, a not look um and and you know given everything that was going on in the world at the time i think you know my wife and i just you know kind of switched to english and we do that a lot even at, at our house <laughs> um but no i mean other than that i i've never had a, a bad experience you know everyone has been really nice to me um and you know i got no complaints that's good yeah that's very fortunate um
0: yeah yeah i've had others around here on the podcast that are like i've experienced this bullshit and this and that and like just other friends that
1: i've talked to is just i hate it yeah (laughs) yeah no i i guess i've been really lucky not not to have gone through anything like that and i hope that you know that never happens to to myself my wife or my daughters you know yeah yeah that's good um, yeah, I just wanted to
0: go through that and see how that experience has been for you. Yeah. That's that's good. Um, I do want to ask about, like, you know, kind of going off of the hurricane mm-hmm. and losing power and your job. And okay. Like what, uh, so you, you work at AEP. Yep. Um, and you interned there. Mm-hmm. And you've been
1: there for? A little over 13 years. years. Wow. Yep. Tell me about that. it's been a gratifying experience i gotta say um and i i've always been involved even when i started which was ironically not where i interned um right but i started in the planning group and i've evolved into different planning roles and eventually um i am where i am today and uh distribution um, system planning but in a nutshell uh, what we do in planning in, in, in very simple terms is that we plan the system right and the way we do that is by looking at the future so as a comparison and contrast with pager right he's looking at real-time conditions like what's happening yeah. from an operation standpoint because they ha- they have to react quickly If something happens right whereas the planning team looks at five years ten years into the future and and how do we do that right so we simulate system conditions uh, for example using um, seasonal uh, peak loads and we forecast into the future what a potential growth could be so for example you've been in Columbus for how long
0: Uh, I've lived here
1: for like five years okay, so Matt you know when you first got here versus what it is now, you've seen definitely a, a growth in, oh, yeah. in population and in companies and in everything, right? Yeah, it was the same thing when I got here, you know, uh, 12 years ago. Um, we, you look at some of our areas, and you know, there's Amazon uh centers everywhere, there's like uh other data centers like from other oh, yeah. um industries, right? So that just adds load into our system because they need power, right? So they're gonna come to an electric utility to be able to give it to them. So using that data, we kind of forecast that into the future, right? And we try to predict problems that the system could have. So if, for example, if I model X amount of, um, of new load or new generation that my system's gonna have, what happens if I take this power line out? So that that's kind of the analysis that we do. We kind of use contingencies to tell us where the problems are going to be so that we can plan for them and 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 you know we're we follow certain criteria, certain guidelines and, and some of those are are established at the federal level. Some of those are established at the state level, right? And just to give you a quick example, right if, if I take, In my analysis I take one power line out from point A to point B what happens to the rest of my system because electricity is flowing through that through that line right so if I take it out that electricity needs to go somewhere so it's gonna try to redirect itself through some other path and what that could happen or what that could lead to is that maybe this other power line that i had over here that is still in service is now seeing that incremental electricity going through but time out that power line is only rated for x amount of you know megawatts to um to that to have power go through right so if it's seeing more then it's going to get overloaded and when electricity when current goes through a wire what happens to that wire is it gets hot. So so the more electricity that runs through it, it gets hotter and hotter. So these conductors that you see hanging from these power lines, the hotter they get, the more they sag. So as soon as they start sagging, well, there's a lot of trees around here. You come into contact with those trees, you can come into contact with a distribution pole, like those smaller poles that, that we see out there. And if it comes in contact with that, we're that's a fault. We're basically creating a short circuit. Um, So that's a problem. So that's a type of of issue that we try to predict, that we try to to forecast into the future so that we can come up with a solution so that it it doesn't happen. Right. Um, So if that contingency that I mentioned earlier of taking line from point A to point B out And this other one gets overloaded well then maybe the solution is to add another path from point c to d to get that incremental power flowing so that it doesn't overload the other one and that's kind of the thing that that we do um which is you know it's it's very gratifying because you know people say well you know you're not in the field you're not you know uh getting people people's power back on when they lose it well you're right but the work that we do of planning ahead is definitely going to impact people's lives because if, if, for example, let's use Clintonville, right? If, if there's a new development, housing development coming through and we don't plan for that growth, that that means that basically when they get on all the powers coming through here, it's not going to be enough capacity to support that. So you're going to have all your lights flicker because it's just too much for the system. Right, So being able to look into the future, being able to forecast that and plan for that, adding the capacity so that when that housing development comes, everyone has reliable power is something that's very gratifying. But not everyone sees it, right? Because they think you're in the office, well, you're just doing whatever, like you're not the one um, giving me back my power, so. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious,
0: Um, so with some, A lot of newer power lines are like Mm -hmm. being built underground right Mm -hmm. we're digging up holes and rather than having them hang it's it's a lot safer right what's the um, I guess what's the like differences with your your planning that you do with you
1: know Mm -hmm. power lines that are up in the air versus underground so as far as what I do the planning doesn't differentiate from underground or overhead okay right to us, it's still a power line in our simulation from point A to point B. That's more of a design type of deal. Um, if, for example, if, if my plan tells I need to add, construct a new line in Dublin, well, and it's going through a residential area, well, probably not gonna get that approved if you're going overhead, right? So that's where the design teams and the engineering teams come into play because the planners propose the idea hey this is what we need to do we need to do a line from point A to point B and then the engineering teams actually design that they, they take that idea and they design it and make it a reality right so they say okay well in the area that we're in um, it makes sense to go underground and you weigh pros and cons right I mean if because going underground, as you can imagine, is a lot more expensive. Um, right. Depending where you are, right. Because in a premium area, like you know, um, like a residential area through Dublin, going overhead can can be expensive as well. Because you know you're in people's backyards, and right. Nobody likes um, you know looking out their window and seeing a a big ass transmission tower, um, you know, 150 uh, feet tall uh, in in their backyard, right. So, so that's kind of where you get to decide. Okay, what's what's the best option here? Weighing all pros and cons, weighing costs, um, and and you know the difficulty of, of being able to construct that as well. So there's a lot of factors that play into it. Okay, does that answer your question? Yeah,
0: yeah, it does. Um, I so I, I'm definitely not in your guys's business at mm-hmm. all, um, and I. I'm learning things as you guys speak. So, I've always thought that the like underground wires are Mm -hmm. a lot safer
1: than Mm -hmm. the overhead. Is that true? Um, So they're safer in the sense that they're more reliable because they don't have any obstruction from trees or the wind, right? Yeah. Or or even a a, a, you know some strong winds like a tornado or something like that, right? I mean they're typically not going to be subject. Icicles, yeah, exactly. Like snow Ice, snow, rain, yeah. all that stuff. Um, so they're they're definitely more reliable from that perspective. However, they are more expensive to build. And to repair it, it's a little bit more difficult. Because when you have something overhead on the ground, um, you can just kind of patrol it and kind of see where it's at. Whereas... The way they do these underground lines is they put manholes on specific spots, right? Um, and to inspect it, it's a lot more involved and complicated process than if I were just walking down uh, this line outside here, for example. Yeah, you could see that there's exactly. wrong. Exactly. So you could see if a tree fell on that span right there, I can just see it. Whereas right. if something fails underground, it's going to take me a little bit more time to figure it out. Um. I'm not solving
0: the world's problems at all, but <laughs> is, is there a way to put like tracking sensors on those that you can you know, yep. have X amount of feet between? And you're so like, we have those. Yeah. Okay. So they're
1: called, uh, relays. And, and again, I'm not a line expert, but so we have relays, uh, on our, all, all of our lines, right. Whether they're overhead or, right. or, um, or underground and the way that these relays operate. And I think Pedro mentioned this a little bit, but, they, they tell our sectionalizing devices when to open, uh, basically. If they sense a fault condition on the zone that they're protecting, they'll signal the circuit breaker or whatever the sectionalizing device is, hey, I'm sensing something here, I need yeah. you to open. Yeah. And what happens is when that breaker opens, it isolates the fault. So that type of device can help locate a fault or, or at least be able to tell you it happened between this section right here, like you were mentioning, right? But to pinpoint exactly what happened, to find where the fault was, to find what costed, that's what takes a little bit more time. Let's let's get some more R&D work into those things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's a, very interesting on how you guys are able to do all of those things, maintenance, repairs, Make sure everyone has power, et cetera. Um, Is there, so I've heard like rumblings of, you know, a lot more companies headed our way. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you guys like looking in the news and seeing like, oh, hey, XYZ company is saying that they're looking at placing a bid to come to Mm -hmm. this area. Are you guys like looking at that and like, okay, we need to start looking at this now. Even if they don't come here, we need to start looking at it just yeah. in case.
1: Yeah. So that's called, um, you know, they um, yeah, have a term for it. It's, um, I'm trying to think of the term. It's just called planning to yeah. me. <laughs> oh, well, no, because, so what these companies do is that they'll, they'll choose a couple different sites. Okay. And sometimes they're, they're within the same state and other cases they're not. And, They'll visit each of them, and they'll they'll request, you know, oh well, if I locate this this facility here, um, could you serve it, right? And so we we study them, um, but we we typically wait for solid commitments before we we actually study them long, you know, more of a long term or official way, I guess. Yeah. But we do spot check, uh, to make sure that there's not going to be any, uh, difficulty serving them, for example, because if it's not feasible to provide them power, then we might as well just tell them, Hey, we can't serve you here. So yeah, stop wasting your time, you know, look somewhere else. Um, but typically, you know, we, we do our best in what we can to make sure that we're, um, that we're able to, to, to work with these companies. Um, because you know, I mean, it's just business, just good business, you know, right. Br- brings more jobs, um, to, to, the places that we serve and it just benefits everyone, you know?
0: Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like I, I just enjoy listening to people and like what they do for a living. And I think it would be cool if a lot of the times to like, Oh, can I be like a fly on the wall <laughs> during like eight hours of your work? Uh, Pre BC before COVID because we all
1: sit at home now it's not that entertaining yeah (laughs) no it's been it's been a very gratifying experience and like I said I mean I've moved to to different roles and um, and in different titles and whatnot but um, but for the most part it's always been planning related whether it's system or or more on the equipment side um, where you know you kind of analyze the equipment and and try to come up with a a potential ideal time to replace it, to renew it. Um, so yeah, I mean I, everything I've done in AV has been very, very gratifying and, and very humbling, right? Um, I'm a director today, but when I started, I you know as, an, as a you know, a basic engineer, I guess, I looked at, you know, people that were managers and directors and I was like, you know, kind of like untouchable, you know? Right. It's like, man, even when I was a co-op, like I was so impressed when, when a manager came to my final presentation of, of, as an intern. I was like, man, like these this guy took out of his time to come see my presentation. It's like, okay. And as you progress in your career and you're like, oh shit, like, Okay, I guess I'm one of the guys that I used to say were untouchable, you know, back in the day. Yeah, and it's almost surreal, you know. I mean, and and you know, you just just humbling, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I don't really get into like too much what I do for a living, but I can say I've I've felt the the same thing mm-hmm. uh, in my in my career, um, and it it really is humbling, and it's yeah. like. You know you look at those positions of like oh man i'd love to have that person's job exactly. Like, what they do is so cool and you're like all right well here's the goal here's how i get there yeah and then watching yourself
1: actually do yeah. it
0: and conquer it it's awesome
1: no it's amazing it, it it really is um and you know and i don't know as i'm i'm relatively young in in my career still right you know just 13 years. I mean, there's many folks that still work that have been around 30, 40 plus years. Right. And they're still working. So there's, you know, I don't know what the future holds, but just the fact that I've made it this far at this point, it's like, I would have never dreamed that I was going to be, um, where I'm at today. So, so yeah, surreal. It is. Um, did
0: you have any part in um, the whole like Texas losing power last year? Did you have any part like uh, like Pedro kind of did?
1: No, because um, so that was that was more the real time thing that I was talking about, right? Yeah. When, that Pedro gets involved, which is um, really interesting. And you know, from when that happened, my role was on the. Um, more on the renewal of our assets right so I think I may have been asked one question about the equipment at you know uh, on one of our power lines but the main problem as Pedro mentioned was a lack of capacity right yeah so um, you're getting more load than your system can support Uh, you're bound for, for a collapse I mean that's just the way it works but um, but no, I mean, I luckily I guess uh, I didn't I didn't get involved uh, in it, but I was paying attention for sure, right um, because you know it, it impacted everyone, and that's basically all what what the people at AP spoke about, at least the people from the Texas region, all they spoke about for you know, a month or two. so yeah,
0: that, oh, that's crazy is there is there any part where you can be like, Hey Texas, here's how we can beef up our uh, grid.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sure that many have um, have tried doing that after that uh, debacle. Um, but um, but yeah, not me. That's uh, that's way above my pay grade. Um, <laughs> but it, but I think Pedro, and I keep mentioning that guy. Uh, <laughs> but I think <laughs> he's he, a nerd. But I think he he hit the uh, the nail on the head. You know, it's just hey, lesson learned have ties with people outside of Texas because, okay, we recognize that you're self-sustaining system, but when some shit like that happens, you need to rely on your neighbors. And had they had, um, you know, ties to others where generation could have flown, perhaps they, you know, what happened wouldn't have happened. So that to me was the biggest thing. And it's really simple if you think about it, right? Um, Don't be an island. Simple as that. Yep. Or if you if you're gonna be an island, then install batteries freaking everywhere. So yeah. that, that's that that will be too expensive, obviously. So the tie is definitely a better option. I, I think the the adage,
0: um, plan for the worst and hope for the best. Yeah, <laughs> kind of <laughs> comes to
1: mind. Yeah, absolutely. And that's how how we should plan, right? We should always plan for worst case because. Yeah what what people will say is that well you know that has like one percent chance of happening and that's true but what if it happens right then the question will be well why didn't we think about it Uh uh-huh you know so i think you always plan for the worst and if something like that one does happen then you're prepared and you're able to to withstand it and um come back from it so yeah and and people don't want to put your head on the chopping block exactly yeah i'm sure um several people are doing other jobs uh, right now uh, yeah. the ones that were involved in that and that fiasco so yeah um hopefully it's better <laughs> or it's getting I better. would hope
0: that was it was recent so i don't know if they were mm-hmm. able to uh you know Pull a bunch of strings and make a lot of things happen really fast. Yeah, I would
1: hope. Um, I mean, it's been, I think, just a year. Yeah, it was a year. Yeah, it, oh was, my it was last year. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just hope they learn. That's that's the, the thing you can do: just learn from that experience, make a decision and go. Try to get better. Right.
0: Um, is there anything else that you wanted to do, uh talk about with?
1: with what you guys do over there to AP um, not really you know I've been able to um, go to a d- few different places thanks to you know to, to my job you know I was able to go to Vancouver which is beautiful um, yeah you know through a conference that I went up there and you know, just as you um, are getting a ride from the airport to to the hotel, you just you see all these mountains and and all these peaks. You know, with they're all white, but then like and at the bottom you see all this green, and you're like it's just so so beautiful, um, right? You know, and we were able to go to a, um in a national park, if I recall correctly, there, and um, they took us to the peak. Um, I guess and they had a restaurant up there and You know, we had dinner and everything and the view was just amazing and you just think about the opportunities that that You get I mean while working at a place like this and you're like, oh man Like again, you're just grateful for for things like that. So other than that I've done the same almost the same thing my my whole life and um, you know, I've growing as a leader um, I've had the opportunity, I've been blessed to be able to create my kind of my own teams and um I've worked with great people and I'm um, I look forward to a couple more decades, we'll see. That's fantastic. We'll see. Um so on the on the topic
0: of travel, mm-hmm. uh, I love to get into it. So what what other places have you been? Um I don't know, work, vacation. Mm-hmm. Different experiences, all those things.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, COVID has impacted that. We, we had a plan where we wanted to go to a bunch of different places. But, uh, but no, we, we've gone all through the Caribbean, uh, Dominican Republic, Jamaica, um, all the smaller islands like uh, Barbados, St. Thomas, um, St. John, St. Martin, all those um, we've been um all have their own charm Uh, we've been to mexico a couple times Uh, my daughter loves mexico um there was um the last time we went um there's these raccoonish animals there i don't know if you're familiar with them they call them guatis and they're basically a raccoon with a longer tail Interesting and no, not and my daughter was obsessed uh, with these little guys and They're smart little guys too and then they're all over the place and and you know if you're at the beach and the hotel we were into had like a bar and cafeteria Right at the beach and you just take you know a Hamburger or whatever and just put it while you were sitting and these little fuckers came and stole the food and actually Like with their <laughs> hands. They, they look so so cool doing it but my my daughter was obsessed with it, and she loves Mexico. Um, and you know, to to this day, she'll say that she wants to be Mexican, not Puerto Rican, and that's something that my wife and I are working on. <laughs> but um, but no, we've we had a blast that that one trip in Mexico, and same thing with the Dominican Republic. You know, um, my daughter, she's five, my oldest, and she's been to the Dominican Republic, uh, you know, to Mexico. She's been to Uh, California, uh, which was one of the best vacations we had Um, Disney World a couple times Puerto Rico multiple times to these to all these islands and You know the first time I think I mentioned earlier that I got in a plane was when I was 18 years old went to visit my uncle and 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 in New York and you know just to to see her travel to all these places and even our dog, our dog has gone with us to a lot of them, not international, wow. but to Puerto Rico and Florida. Yeah. She's basically gone with us. Um, and, you know, I had to wait 18 years to get on a goddamn plane. You know, it's, it's just <laughs> crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Mexico has been uh, one of our favorite spots um, in California. We, we liked it a lot cause we went to, Um, It was like a week and a half trip So we went to San Francisco spent a couple days there and then we went down to LA Uh, So we were able to do a lot of things. We even took the kids to uh, Disneyland which was amazing because it was a Tuesday and It was completely empty. So we were able to do every single ride there without any lines whatsoever So the kids had a blast we had a blast Um, So yeah, and even Disney World when when we went for a first time, so keep in mind, this is my first time at Disney World. This was my wife's first time in Disney World. And our daughter, (laughs) Adriana, she was uh, two and a half at the time. Um, And we were just shocked. Like, what is this place? It's like another world. Uh Like, It's just (laughs) insane to us. Um, I always, you know, when I was a kid, I always used to order they used to make these VHS VHS of Disney like if it was like tours i guess of Disney and that you could order from Disney for free really and i i used to order them just so that i could wash them so that i would kind of act my dad on like hey dad look like you haven't taken me bro like what's up <laughs> <laughs> And I had to wait um, almost uh, 34 years to go uh, for the first time. But it was an amazing um, experience. We're actually going back again uh, here in May. Um, so we're excited about that. But, but yeah, I mean, i kind of been all over the place. We haven't been to anywhere across Europe. Um, and we made, I guess, I don't want to call it a mistake, but we probably should have planned something like that before we had kids because now we got to wait until they're a little older right. um, to to make that jump but it's in our it's definitely in our plan uh to go get out there i would love to you know uh go to all those countries in in europe and you know eventually uh visit egypt love to see the pyramids and all that stuff so uh hopefully one day it's definitely in our plan yeah it's in my plan too yeah um. So
0: I know how you feel where you want to go over there yes yeah. it's, it's just so cool it's a whole new world yeah I haven't been over there but I love yeah. listening to the stories
1: about everyone going places yeah. and seeing all the things and yeah. all that a first time in Mexico was interesting Pedro was actually with me on that trip there oh was, boy there's a couple of friends and I law I, I thought I was gonna lose my wife in in Mexico Wow. So and, and then Pedro got sick too. But, yeah, I mean, I they always say don't drink the water yep. when you go to these places, right? And that first trip, um, it was just a bunch of friends. Nobody had kids at the time. And um, I think some of us made the mistake of drinking water. Even though it was bottled, I think it was ice in it. And my wife got sick. And eventually Pedro got sick and I remember that um, my wife woke up that the day after that dinner feeling horrible and she was like, "I'm just gonna sleep. Um, you go do you I think I went by the pool with the rest of the folks and when I came back, um, her tongue was black and I was like, oh shit, wow like that's it. that's a raft for her. <laughs> <laughs> I, I came to mexico and I'm um, you know i'm coming back to the states a widow like what the heck and you know we got her like try to get her hydrated and whatnot and it was just you know like the effects of of being you know drinking that the water i guess and then pedro went through the exact same thing and i i, I don't know if his tongue was black but um but he was throwing up all over the place. I think the night before um we left. But um but yeah, that trip was, was interesting. The second trip to Mexico was much better. It was much better. Just, no one just was drinking
0: the, the water. <laughs> no, no no
1: we, we learned from that that time. It's like nobody drank water or ice. Uh, even to you know, brush your teeth. Just use just regular bottle bottle bottled water. Wow. But, uh, and I don't know what it is because you go to Puerto Rico, the water's fine. Like That's what we yeah. drink. We drink from the faucet. And, you know, it's fine. So I, I don't know what it is about these countries that the, their water is just junk. In, I know in Mexico they call it, like,
0: some person's revenge. It's one of those old tales about someone was doing something someone did something wrong to him and killed him and I don't, i'm i not doing the story justice you can hmm. google it but it's yeah it's someone's revenge hmm. i don't know okay um it's yeah it's very weird i don't i don't know maybe they just need a treatment facility and yeah, i don't know uh but yeah that's the that's like the the tale about it but okay the scientific story, I don't know exactly what it is. Hmm. Yeah, it's some sort of bacteria, parasite, virus type of thing
1: that's in the water there. Damn. Well, the same thing must be in the Dominican Republic because, I mean, if you drink that, you get same effects pretty much. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, we, whenever we, the times we've gone down there, it's always bottled water. Um, but, I mean, we love Dominican Republic. It's... So relaxing. Like to me, it's a true vacation. Yeah, because you go to the resort and, and you just literally do nothing from when you get up to where you go to sleep. You know, you just wake up, have breakfast, go lay down on the beach. That's it. And go to the bar every once in a while to get yeah. a drink. They don't have someone coming to give you drinks. Yeah, they they do. They yeah, do. at times. Okay. Yeah, they do. And it's it's so. It's so funny because these these bartenders, so they're they're not used to people uh, tipping them a lot. Oh yeah, right. So, you know, I'm I've always been, you know, I like to tip and whatnot, and and I go and I'll hand them over a a ten dollar or a twenty dollar bill uh, mm-hmm. to the first guy that serves me a drink, and I'm like, hey, here you go. You do that, that guy will never forget your face the whole time you're there. Absolutely. The line could be. Five people deep. He'll see you. What do you want, buddy? Here you go. The 20 bucks is worth it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, after that, you just kind of continue, you know, one or two or or three bucks at a time. Because at the end of the day, compared to what, you know, people tip here in the States, which is, you know, the typical 15% or whatever it is, you know, it's really nothing. Yeah. I mean, because you're spending the whole week there or whatever the case it may be. And, you know, they, it, it, for them, it, they, it's, it's huge. It's huge. Their, their economies are just so different. Yeah. It's very different. It's
0: so eye opening when you go to those sorts of places and see like your dad living super comfortably. Um, did he support your mother? Did she have a job? So
1: my mom, my mom had a job, um, up until I think I was maybe six or seven, then she kind of worked in retail stores, but my dad was the the main supporter yes yeah
0: and living there 25 35 grand a
1: year. yeah being living. able to support a home, yeah. pay for my private school, you know we never lost our house there was food was always there. Um, yeah. So we had the important things. yeah, we didn't get to travel, but the basic necessities I always had. Yeah. You no. weren't worried about those basic things no, at all. I, not in in the absolute. Um everything I needed was always there for me. Yeah. And for that I'll always be grateful to him. Yeah, it it is
0: just so crazy, like sitting and talking and thinking about it. It's you know, you yeah. give a bartender and the DR
1: twenty dollars
0: and his whole week change. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Yeah and be beaten you know knowing that you have that effect on people you know it's it's an amazing amazing feeling oh yeah it's it's a lot of fun too um
0: you know being that generous mm-hmm. right yeah um yeah is there is there any other sort of like fun travel stories that you uh <laughs> have or can think of
1: oh i mean when um when my wife and I got married we went on a cruise um for our honeymoon right and I think we were in Barbados um and we so that the, we were taking a tour in Barbados I'm pretty sure it was Barbados or maybe it was St. Kitts one of the two and we were with other like couples that we met during the cruise that were also in their honeymoon and the tour guide kind of just took us to a couple different places, and he took us to a peak where you can see, you know, where Nevis and, and St. Kitts, I guess, connect because they're kind of like a, you know, they got like a joint island thing going on. Okay. And and at every spot they stop, like, obviously, these tours are coordinated, right? So right. they have people that sell shit. Like, they <laughs> sell food, they sell, like, um, you know, like, necklaces, whatever the case it may be. So in this particular spot, um there was this kid. He was a kid. He had to have been a kid. But he was uh maybe seventeen, eighteen years old. But he was a big kid. Like he was I think a little bit taller than me and um possibly close to three hundred pounds. So he was a big kid. He was a big dude. Yeah. Just a big dude. Yeah, just a big big dude, but you could tell from his face that he was he was still a kid. Yeah. And this guy starts offering me. And a low Vera type lotion. Okay. And I'm like, bro, I'm good. Like I don't want that yeah. shit. I'm not getting sunburned. Yeah. <laughs> and he 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 kept on pressing me about it. And I'm like, hey, bro, I'm good. And this and this fucker grabs my arm and starts putting that shit all over <laughs> me. <laughs> and I was like, bro, like, what are you doing? So, like, I kind of just, you know, like in a sudden movement, just moved my arm. Like, I, 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 to be honest, I thought about swinging at him. But then, you know, this guy was a pretty hulking figure. I mean, I'm not going to lie. And, and and he looks at me and starts swearing at me. And I'm like, oh, shit. So, what's going to happen now? And kind of the tour guide kind of intervened. And, you know, everyone was kind of laughing their ass off that that happened to me. But, I was like, man, I'm, how does that even happen? Like, why, is this, what's the whole thing about aloe vera, man, that maybe I, <laughs> I don't know.
0: It's so like drugs or something? Yeah, like, like I,
1: I, I don't know. I mean, that, that was just a weird experience um, that I had there at St. At, at Kitts. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, other than that, um, you know, in in our Mexico trips we've been able to go down to like the I think cenotes, is that how you pronounce it in English? I have no idea. Okay. So they call it a cenote in Okay. Like in, in Spanish, right? And it's just basically a literally a hole of fresh water mm. that um basically um you know, you have to go pretty deep underground to kinda access it. But it's Think of it like a, like a cave and it has like a big hole here, but then at the bottom there's like fresh water. Okay. And so we've been able to to go to a few of those, which have been amazing. If you haven't been, I definitely recommend in the future you try to hit one because it's, um, definitely a, a cool experience. Um, just, just being able to, to swim in one because you you can do whatever you want. Um,
0: you know. So it's like a underground, yeah. fresh water, like yep. spring. Yeah, pretty much. That's is what it, it is. Is it like hot water, cold water, um,
1: lukewarm? It's like lukewarm, I would say. Okay.
0: Yeah, you could just go there and uh, swim. Yeah, and you can drink it if you want to. But yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend night.
1: it. But yeah. um, but yeah, you could drink it if uh, <laughs> if you so desired. <laughs> um, yeah, but as far as um. There's other stories, um, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, everything has been as planned, I guess. on um, On our vacations, you know. That's good. I, I think that the, there was one time where my first cruise, I was with my parents and um, my uncle and aunt and, and my cousins, and I remember. <laughs> so, my cousin, he's like, uh, he has a darker complexity, kind of like Pedro, right? and we looked nothing alike, but I was uh, three years older than him. So I was able to get inside the nightclub, and he couldn't, and so I gave him, I remember I gave him my um, my electoral card as an ID, had my picture on it, and my, my date of birth, <laughs> and I thought, these guys aren't gonna notice. And so I got in and, you know, I, I told him, Hey, just wait like a minute and then just come in, right? And he did <laughs> and the guy at the door kind of saw that was like, hmm, hold on a second. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, this doesn't work. So they didn't let him in and they took my electoral card. And I was like, All right, whatever, man. I don't care if I lose that. That's why I gave it to him in case that happened. But um but we got stopped the day after, as we exited the cruise and went into an island. As we came back, I guess they had typed up my name, in in their system, and it kind of flagged as I scanned my passport to get back on the boat. Yeah. And like security took me in, and my parents were like all worried and and shit. Was like they kind of gave me a lecture on, yeah, we don't do this. Like if we serve him a drink and he gets drunk, we get sued i never do. They gave me a pretty big scolding. Um, and I learned, yeah, fake ID is not the way to go, man. Just yeah. not the way to go. <laughs> that's a, stupid things that you do when you're young. Right.
0: Very stupid. It's a it's a fun fake ID story.
1: <laughs> but, it, I mean, it could be a lot worse, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it could have been a lot worse. I just wanted him to have fun, you know. Um, but, um, but yeah, they didn't allow it. So,
0: man,
1: um,
0: is there anything else that you wanted to mention about travel?
1: Um, no, I think I'm good on travel. Again, I'm, I'm looking forward to our, um, upcoming Disney trip and hope that, um, you know, COVID kind of goes away and we can, you know, resume our. Our uh, Travel to where we want to so
0: yeah, this whole no travel thing is killing me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's the worst Yeah But uh, I wanted to ask you uh, we were talking earlier before this mm-hmm. about um, You know raising your kids here mm-hmm. um, What's like the differences that you see from you know when your parents raised you versus raising your kids now here in America and um I don't know. You mentioned that you're teaching your daughter Mm -hmm. Spanish and English at the same time. And she's like, I don't know, like five years old or something. Yep. Yep. Yeah.
1: I mean, as far as as differences are concerned, um, the first thing that comes to mind is cost. It is so expensive to get a kid in daycare. Oh, yeah. in in the States. In Puerto Rico. If you had both working parents, you you would find even if it, it was a like an actual business, like a daycare business, they would probably just charge you maybe four hundred at most for the month. Like I I pay more in daycare than I almost do in mortgage in holy shit here in the states. So it's stupid expensive, and school is actually cheaper, but daycare is just insane. It's just insane, um, and and to me that's that's the main difference. But as far as you know, continuing to raise our kids, I, I I you know my wife and I both want both of our daughters to really know both languages. I think that opened so many doors for both me and my wife. You know, just being able to to articulate and and speak both languages um, that we want the same. For, for our daughters, right? And to, to add to that, all of our family is still down in Puerto Rico, right? And, and all of my, most of my friends are still down in Puerto Rico, and most of my friends up here are also from Puerto Rico, right? So we want them, we want both of our daughters to be able to at least understand and speak a little bit of Spanish. I mean, we understand, right, we're in the States. Yeah. everything they're going to go to school everything's going to be in English we get that that's yeah. perfectly fine but we want them to at least be able to communicate with their family in Spanish it's one thing I, I always um, you know kind of thought it was a bit odd for for people that came to the states and when they came back you know their kids were completely Americanized I they wouldn't they wouldn't talk a word in Spanish when they were in in Puerto Rico, and you're like, I, like I don't want that, you know. I, I want them to, to keep a little bit of, you know, of our culture and, you know, alive inside of them. So right. that's why we kind of try to reinforce that in in our house. And again, I'm I'm guilty of not doing that because my daughter will come and ask me something in English and I'll just answer in English, just a natural response. Yeah. My, my wife has to constantly remind me, Hey, Spanish, Spanish, Spanish. Otherwise she's just going to forget it. So I've been trying, um, to get better, um, at it, but, um, but yeah, that, that's, that's one thing that we really, really want them to, um, to, to learn. Right. And you know, I, I keep going back to the schools, right? And we're we're school shopping right now, and I, <laughs> yeah, air quotes, right? Because I feel in um, so in Puerto Rico, you, you get if you're going to private school, you get a lot of unaffiliated private schools, you know, not not affiliated to a certain type of religion, you know, and not that you know um, we obviously believe. And um, you know, in God and whatnot, but we we don't we don't we're not actively going to a church, you know, okay. every every Sunday, right? And I've I have never been a a church person. Um, when I was young, I I think I went a couple times, and then it kind of conflicted with baseball. And naturally, my dad chose baseball. So yeah, I just never grew up in in a household where going to church every Sunday was. Um, you know, a thing, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with people that do that. I'm just right. saying that I I didn't I didn't you have personally. that experience exactly. Yeah. So, as we're school shopping, I, we find that many of the schools here have some sort of affiliation, and a lot of the times, you know, they we've submitted a an application, and you know, one of the questions is, this, you know, a lot a lot of like religious type, like what is God. Uh, mean to you or or like get a letter of recommendation from your pastor and you're like explaining to these people like uh, you know we did a tour we kind of told you we don't actively go to a church why do you keep why do you keep asking me and, and you're like well you know we we definitely encourage you <laughs> to, to go to a church and i you know i keep telling my wife like i don't want like whichever school to kind of dictate what i what I do on my Sundays you know Um, and now I'm perfectly fine with my daughter growing with you know with some sort of you know religion um, in her life because I mean I that doesn't hurt anyone you know knowing about God and the Bible and all that if anything that's that's really beneficial for him but that's been a thing that I've struggled with now that I'm trying to find schools for my five year old right um, because where i went to school it was a private school it didn't have no affiliation so it's like no worries whatsoever right and and i've though i've found that very hard uh, here in the states because you know it's almost to a point where they make you feel uncomfortable because you're not an active church participant right so those have been the main things
0: yeah that, that's interesting because i i I had no idea that that was like a thing. Yeah. Right? I just thought private school is private school. I know of like, you know, private Catholic schools, mm-hmm. those are very prominent, yeah. but uh, I don't know. I it is private, so they can say yeah, like, exactly there's the requirements and, and if exactly. you don't meet them, you know.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. I I didn't know that. It's very interesting. Uh, that's one thing that you know we're we're struggling a little bit with. I mean, we're we're, we're kind of hoping that it'll it'll be fine when it's all said and done. But at least through this initial application process, that's what kind of we've we found. And um, other than that, you know, it's it's not much different other than the facilities that you have uh, here in the states. You know, the the parks are actually nice here. Um, you know, if they even go into a mall and, and you know, if, if they want to go to um, Legoland, for example, like what they have in Easton, you know, we don't have much of that in in Puerto Rico, right? Now, granted, like, like I was mentioning before, right, we, we do a lot of being outside, playing outside with your buddies. And right. luckily, my daughter loves being outside. But, um, but uh, as a five-year-old, she only has, like, select friends, right? But we're trying to... To kind of mimic sort of what we used to do um, in in PR, but it's just different generations, you know. Right. And it, it's never going to to be the same. I mean, I we get together with uh, one of my best friends up here, um, Jimmy, and he has two kids um, that are similar in age to to my five year old, and you know they 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 always play together, but they mostly. Play inside, and we're also limited by the weather too, right? Because um, it's uh, and that's one of the things I struggle with the most of being up in the states. Let me tell you. But um, I was gonna ask you about that as well. <laughs> yeah. How much do you love the snow? Oh, I hate it. <laughs> um, I hate it. But um, but yeah, when it's when it's out, I mean, they enjoy being out. You know, we got like a uh, like an air inflatable thing, like a house, and they can just jump all over, and you know, they enjoy it. So yeah, that part is not. That you know not that different I guess from Puerto Rico yeah
0: that's great that they get kind of a, a combination of what you grew up with mm-hmm. and yeah like now how society and technology yeah. is that they kind of get that um, I think it's fantastic that you teach them Spanish at home
1: and we're English. trying we're trying I, no, she speaks both today uh, as I mentioned right and, and she was, she's kind of leaning towards using English more and we're just trying to balance it out because we know she's going to learn English right um, all the way through school um, because, quite frankly, even though I would love to go back to PR, it's not going to happen. Like, I, I, I wouldn't get used to it. Right. <laughs> I just wouldn't get used to it. So I may move within the States, but um, if needed, right, but uh, I don't think I, I could ever go back to, to PR. Yeah, just to like live there permanently. Yeah, I, I just I just think I couldn't. I wouldn't get used to it. Yeah, I would go to Florida, somewhere, <laughs> <Just> <laughs> somewhere warmer,
0: right? Do with you know comparable drivers. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
1: and just you know great weather all the time. Pretty much that's that's what I would look for because these <laughs> winters suck. Um, they just I just can't stand them. I twelve years here and I'm still not used to them. Man. It, yeah, it takes a lot. It, it does. It does. And, you know, and when I say not used to them, I mean, it, it, there may be some, you know, not not entirely true because, you know, I could be 40-degree weather, even 30-degree weather with, like, a T-shirt outside. It's, like, completely fine. Whereas, you know, my dad will come here and visit, and if it's 60 out, he'll be like, oh, man, it's cold. It's like, nah, it ain't. <laughs> No, it ain't. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's just how long they are. Like we, I, I always enjoy Christmas season, right? And 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 seeing snow that early in in November and December, and even up to New Year's. Like you just like I, I need that cold when it's like August, September, where it kind of gets pretty hot. I'm like okay, I need a break. I need right. some sort of breeze, some sort of, you know, colder weather. But if it only didn't last up until May. Yeah. <laughs> it would be amazing. Like I wish it was just January 1st, spring. That would be <laughs> that would be ideal for yeah. me. Um but yeah, that, that's been the main problem. But we we've, we've, you know, we've tried to make the best of it. Um I did try snowboarding once, it wasn't for me. I know you're a big fan. I am a big fan. Yeah, I know you're a big fan. I'm a big fan of the, the winter sports, Yeah, being uh, outside during the winter.
0: I don't uh, know why I'm weird. I but. mean, it,
1: it's it's an adrenaline rush, right? And, oh yeah, it is. And I tried it, my wife wasn't here um, yet. Uh, we, we weren't married at the time. Uh, so it was my first year working here. And we went snowboarding, and I used to skateboard. I think I mentioned, and that's how I I actually lost a lot of weight when I was in in high school. So I was exactly. like, oh man, uh, what, what was that? I, I just said oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I used to skateboard. It should be an easy transition to snowboard, and it's so different. It is very it different. It is so different because with a skateboard, something you know, oh something's not going right. You just hop off. And that's it. You can't do that with a snowboard, man. And I tell you, Cam, I was in the bunny hill like most of my day. And I remember this one time specifically where as I was trying to hold on to the kind of the rope that's taking you up, I fell. And this thing carried me like it dragged me. I am literally in the ground. This thing dragged me all the way up, and I couldn't get up <laughs> as this thing kept going. It dragged me all the way up. It was super embarrassing. And I kept trying not to fall on the bunny hill, and I kept falling and falling and falling. And you, uh, there was a point where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go to a normal hill. This was in Matt River, which obviously you've been yeah, several it's times. Close by. And You know, I went to, I think, one of the, I don't know if it's a beginner hill or whatever, but it was not the bunny hill. And as I was coming down, I kind of, every time I started gaining speed, I got scared because you you can pick up speed as you're going down. It's very fast. Yeah. And so I kind of just bailed every time. Oh, man, it's going too fast. Oh, so I bailed. (laughs) And there was this one time where I didn't get a chance to bail, and I just, you know, kind of went backwards and hit my head. Right on the snow, Ooh. and you know I wasn't wearing a helmet or anything, even though I was a beginner. Maybe I should have. And I swear to God, I think I blacked out for a couple minutes because I was like dizzy and all that. I'm like, this is not for me. So I'm pretty sure I got a concussion um, that that day. And even like as as I fell, like the little kids would come up to me, like little kids probably younger than my daughter just you know and, and all the style and would ask me are you okay sir and all that and like I'm like with my face full of snow just <laughs> embarrassed yeah I'm fine so I just went to the bar instead until <laughs> the rest of my buddies were done and after that day I never tried it again not even the skis um yeah. and I was like that's not for me when my when we have kids if they want to try it go crazy um but that's just not for me maybe I'll yeah. try tubing maybe I'll try that one day the
0: tubing looks like a lot of fun. I haven't yeah. done that yet, but it seems like a lot of fun. Um, if you do pick it up, go for skiing. It's a lot easier. Um, That's what I hear. Yeah, it's it's more in like the the hips and the knees, where uh, snowboarding is a lot in the shoulders, the knees, like the ankles and your shins. Yeah, uh, it's and there's a lot more complexity to staying upright because yeah. you're on one board and you're. Completely strapped in on one thing versus having poles and your legs
1: can move separately. Yep, exactly. So that was the main difference for me. (laughs) Rough. It was rough. Hey, you did it, though. I mean, I don't know if that counts as doing it, to be honest with you. I'll tell you what I did. I was on the ground. I was on my ass all day. (laughs) That's what I did. Yeah. Yeah uh you didn't sit at home and do
0: nothing so you actually went i tried it
1: i I can say that yeah i i tried it and you know like i said i thought it would be an easy transition from skateboarding Mm -hmm. i used to love to skateboard it's a fun fun thing it is and these
0: damn kids with their like they're so small so their center of gravity it's a lot easier to control When you're, like, older, it's Mm -hmm. so much harder.
1: Man, I used to see it, like, that day in Matt river, like, as I was at the bottom of of one of the big hills, you just see these kids literally, like, three feet tall of that just coming down the hill like nothing. Yeah, like 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 they're professionals. Like, how are they doing it? And I'm here sitting on my ass and can't even get up. It's just amazing. It was amazing to see yeah I I went uh,
0: snowboarding one time when I was in high school and I was got a a foot shorter and 60 pounds lighter and I was out there all day long Mm -hmm. didn't fall on my face didn't fall on my ass and just killed it nice didn't go snowboarding for years just picked it up again <laughs> and I am on my face really? falling everywhere <laughs> it, yeah it's so much easier when you're a smaller person uh, but yeah as you get older and as you
1: grow it's not as easy definitely not as easy and I'm, I haven't been I've never been the most flexible person ever oh uh, yeah so that that definitely does not help my <laughs> cause
0: no no it does not flexibility is a big thing and no. i am not very flexible at no. all so yeah if I, maybe if
1: i did some yoga <laughs> it'd be a little easier for me if i do yoga i may break a bone or something <laughs> i need to
0: get uh nathan back here he's been snowboarding for like 15 20 years
1: but i, I told him the same story i just told you like that, did that one time and i'm done yeah, not for me. <laughs> Move on to my next hobby. Well maybe we'll
0: go out sometime and uh have, no. have some friends. Well <laughs> I'm not done yet. <laughs> we'll go out somewhere and uh you know the friends who don't go down the mountain, you could just hang out at the bar. <laughs> Save me a
1: seat. Oh man. That's too funny. <laughs>
0: Yeah, is there, um, is there any other like memories or anything you wanted to mention during uh, during this? Anything you else you wanted to share?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I think a, a lot of you know, growing up as a as an only child, as I was talking earlier, right? You kind of get used to getting creative and 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 doing things on your own, right? And I I think I kind of that's kind of translated as an adult, like I've always found to, to have a, some sort of hobby going on. And yeah. I get pissed at myself a little bit because, like, once I kind of get good at it, I kind of, you know, do something else. Move on to the next thing. Yeah. yeah I've done the same and, thing. And, and you know, and and, and that's why when, when we were talking, right, I was kind of thinking, oh, maybe, you know, jack of all trades. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, when I first came up to the States, I was like, okay, so... What do we do um and i started getting into like djing and stuff and i bought a controller and all that and i had the software and everything and it wasn't like to create music itself but it was mainly just to mix it yeah right like uh it was very simple stuff i would just listen to set lists from like djs and whatnot and i would try to mimic them just to kind of practice The moves and then I kind of got okay with it and uh, I move on to bartending which bartending was an interesting story because what got me into that was when my buddies from Puerto Rico came up here to visit for Felix's wedding so that week after the wedding we took a trip to Chicago and I don't know if you've been to this place in Chicago called the Aviary, but it's on the, uh, the, it's in the meat packing district in Chicago. And it's this fancy cocktail place where, um, you know, first of all, it's super expensive, but it's definitely an experience, right? And it's this type of place where you're gonna get a set of instructions on how to drink a cocktail, basically. And as you walk in, you don't see a, a bar itself you just see kind of like a laboratory i almost call it because you see a couple different counters in the back as you walk in and you see these people just doing the drinks there but you don't order from there you go sit down at a table and they bring out the menu to you and it's like a course you so you you can order i guess one individual cocktail but you can order let me get a five cocktail course. And you choose from the different ones and then they got snacks that kinda pair perfectly with some of the cocktails that you're drinking. And we went to that place, we weren't actually gonna go. We went on our last night and uh, my buddy was like, no, we need to go to this place before we leave. And I was like, all right, if you guys help me drive, um, I'm down, because I was the Ohio guy, so I was the one driving. Right and we went to this place and i was just amazed when i walked in like how how much effort and work these people took to their craft you know and how dedicated they were and you know i was like okay when i get home i gotta read up on this shit so i i started to get into that and uh my buddy was a bartender too at the time so they you know i was impressed with some of the things that he was doing and that got me even further into it so um, I bought a bunch of books I started self-teaching myself a lot of things you know trying to nail down basic drinks and at the time I I started buying bottles that's that's kind of where my acquisition period for liquor started this was in 20 early 2015 2016 time frame okay so I started getting lots of different bottles of gin, lots of different bottles of rum and obviously bourbon and rye and all that stuff, but not the rare ones like you and I enjoy today. Right. <laughs> right. But, um, but it got to a point where I was pretty good. Right. And, and I, I told Aurelis, uh, my wife's like, Hey, if yet, he maybe I should just do a basic course. And I went to the Columbus bartending school and did a basic course. And it was, It was interesting, right, because all the people there, all the students that were with me, all were there because they wanted jobs as bartenders. Like, that was their goal. And, you know, they, uh, as far as basic things, they didn't even know, like, how, what's the main grain in in whiskey, for example, or or what's gin made of. Like, they just didn't know. Like, I knew all that. And, you know, and they asked me, oh, you know, why are you here? And I'm oh, like, I'm just doing it as a hobby. And, like, people were shocked. <laughs> it's like, but why is that so shocking, I guess? But um, but for me, it was just something that, you know, I if I'm going to get a hobby, I, I want to fully invest myself in it. Right? And I think bartending is probably the one that, that has stuck the most. And... So I finished school um, and had to do it on the weekends. My wife had just given birth to Adriana. Um, so she was maybe a month old or something. And and she was really cool. She supported me throughout the whole thing, even though we had a newborn. Um, but um, after that, it was uh, a thing of, okay, so you have, this is my wife talking to me, you have all these bottles, all these... Um, uh, bar tins, all this barware up here in, in the living room. I have my baby bottles here. I don't want any of this shit close to Argyana stuff. And I was like, yeah. okay. So, that's when we finished the basement. And I actually built a bar down there. And um, sometime, you may need to see it. Yeah. Um, I've and seen it, a picture of yeah, it. It's actually like a full bar and everything with, with a sink and everything. And that's where I kind of did all my cocktail thing. And I used to, uh, use my, my buddies, people like Pedro, people like Jimmy, um, as Guinea pigs for the drinks I was making. And I got to a point where I like, I created my own menu of, of different ingredients. I used to make all these syrups from scratch, um, experimented with different juices, different like spirits and all that. And it, it's a really cool thing to, to be honest with you. And, I always tell my my best friend uh Pucha that, because he was uh, the one who was a bartender, that before I retire, like my dream is to just to have a hole-in-the-wall type bar that uh, serves killer cocktails somewhere in in a tropical place, whether it's Puerto Rico or Florida or, or somewhere, right? Yeah. Um, that you know, it just do that and and just retire into the sunset after a few years. So that, that's kind of my dream, right? After after probably a few more decades of uh of working here (laughs) that's so cool yeah Um, and and after that that's what you know i kind of evolved into this kind of stuff yeah right yeah
0: we uh we didn't mention earlier but we met through Bourbon, of course. It's like everyone I have is, like, (laughs) I met either through my fraternity or, like, through bourbon. But I think it's so cool hearing everyone's different stories. And, like, we come together over one common thing. Oh, yeah. But we all have these cool, unique stories to tell. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. And And I still do them. I just don't do cocktails that often, right? Because so Pedro started giving me stuff. Um say, so, hey, why don't you try this bourbon? Um, I'm in all these groups. I'm gonna invite you. And then one day I went over to his house and he gave me a pour of 19 um WLW. And that changed my life forever. I was like, Oh man, this shit is amazing. This shit is amazing. <laughs> and I don't need to mix it with anything you're saying. Oh man. So after that it became much easier to just, you know, open a bottle. You know, pour it into a glass. Takes that's it. it. Yeah, I don't have to deal with ice. I don't have to deal with shaking. I don't have to deal with any juices, any syrups, or anything like that. So, I just kind of do that more often, out of um, it's just just easier. But I still yeah. enjoy making cocktails.
0: Yeah, I so I have kind of a, a backwards experience from yours, where I've always enjoyed drinking spirits mm-hmm. like alone. And Like I'll even drink like shitty spirits okay. off the shelf that are like seven dollars Like I just want to taste what it tastes like by itself But like when I travel somewhere, I'm always seeking out the best cocktail yeah. bar in the city And I'm like, all right, what can you make and I want to know what like that's why I do that uh, Is because I can be like, okay, you have this liquor in there and this one and then it goes with this syrup Okay so I know what they taste like on their own, but I want to know how you combine them in a way that right. they taste even better. Right. Um, so yeah, like my my thing is I've gotten a couple of cocktail books and I'm like, all right, I want to try my hand nice. at this now.
1: Yeah, it's, it's always good to experiment. And, and even with those cocktail books, right? Because most of them will have recipes. Um, yeah. Right. And it, it's just as simple as replacing one ingredient with something else. Right? Yeah. because a lot of the like especially the cordials that they use like the uh, uh, like other type of spirits you probably some are difficult to find yeah right but it's then you understand okay what's the base of that spirit okay it's um, you know licorice or whatever the case may be so maybe I find something else that I can substitute and yeah. just do it and, and see if you like it and then you adjust there was one time during that trial and error that uh, me and one of my good buddies who who used to be here and now moved, we tried making a drink and you know it, it was just never right. And we got so hammered. We tried making the same drink like 12 times and the 12 times it was horrible, but we drank <laughs> it the 12 times because we didn't want to spend or waste the alcohol, right? right. But it's just one of those things that that's what you need to do. Like just continue practicing through, through trial and error so that, you know, you get to a point where you're, you know, perfecting it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can go on like a little bit. So I have a cocktail bar in New York city that I love going to, uh, I don't want to name it not for like their publicity. So they get more uh, audience. It's more of like, this is what I enjoy when okay. I go to New York City. I could do a whole spiel on that, but um, they make my favorite cocktail that I've ever had. And what base um, is your favorite cocktail? So it's rum and cognac. Those are the two main spirits, and um, not whiskey. Surprising, yeah. <laughs> I know you anyone, like your rum. Yeah, anyone, anyone who knows me, if it's if it's not whiskey, it's kind of surprising, I guess. But. Um, I went there and I'm like, wow, this sounds delicious. Like reading the menu and I got it and I was correct. It was amazing. It was fantastic. And so I went to a bar here, uh, more an exclusive place. And I was like uh, with some friends and they were telling the bartender, you know, I don't know what to get. Um, You know, here's the profiles of flavors Mm -hmm. that I like. And the bartender was like whipping them up. Like here, try this. Here, try that and they were like holy shit these are so good and so he gets to me and he's like what do you want and I was like man I haven't been back to New York City in a while and I'm really jonesing for this cocktail and he's like well pull it up I'll try to make it I'll see what we have so I name everything off and he's like we've got everything but what they write on the uh, what the bar writes is like dark Jamaican rum blend Mm -hmm. and he's like I can't mimic that because I don't know what the blend is right. or what the what the ratios are. And so he just, like, goes off. Here's, like, two dark rums. I'll just put them together. And I was like, cool, fine, good enough. He creates it, and it's almost, like, one-to-one. Nice. And I, I can tell, like, the only thing that's off is this rum blend. And so I was like, this guy's my hero. <laughs> <laughs> so I know um, I saw a friend of mine had their, the bars cocktail book and, uh, sorry, let me backtrack before that. I was like looking online, like how can I make this cocktail? What's the recipe? Blah, blah, blah. I don't know if I'm not great at Googling things, but it was not out there. (laughs) And so, uh, I went to a friend's house and they had the bars cocktail book and I was like, let me flip through these pages. Like I got to find out how to make this thing. And, um, they, they had the recipe right there every single ingredient nice. portions uh, the rum blend what the <clears> rum <throat> is and then I was like why do I like this so much? I need to understand and it's nice that they have like little paragraphs on why the why that uh, why they made it and this bar is like very experiment experimental mm-hmm. with their drinks and they're always trying to make the new things and they were like you know the owners, um, went to Louisiana, uh, uh, to New Orleans, and the drink in New Orleans is a sazerac, and that's a bourbon drink, yeah, and or rye, uh, depending on where you're at, and they're like, this is our take on the sazerac, and I was like, holy shit, my favorite cocktail before this was a sazerac, so. Nice. It's a little fun story on yeah. I, why my cocktail journey has started.
1: I mean, it, it's it's an art. It's amazing what some of these people do. Um, you, mm-hmm. know, and you watch all these very talented bartenders. I mean, oh, in, yeah. mixologists like in, in places like Instagram and all that. And, you know, lots of skill, skilled people are there. So, yeah, man, that's something that I would love to do at one point. Just have my little ng bar and just chill. Just yeah. have like a select clientele, have some good bourbons of course, and um <laughs> whip the occasional cocktail. So what happens if uh if you get like TikTok famous? Uh, someone comes in
0: that. with a big following on TikTok, <laughs> man. Or whatever the social media is and they're like, "Oh, this place is amazing." <laughs> and then you get so much business.
1: Yeah, probably would these days <laughs> the way social media works. It's just yeah. crazy. I I just stick to stick to two Facebook and Instagram. I was like, after that, I'm done. <laughs> like yeah. I can't yeah. handle more. It's too much to keep up with. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool, man.
0: Um, is there like other stories or experiences or anything you wanted to bring up or?
1: Yep, I'll I'll do I'll do one here and. You know, and this one's this one's close to me, and it's it's a bit emotional, right? Because it's about my parents. Okay. And and you know, it it's it's mainly to to I guess to reiterate and and to reinforce the point of you know value people when they're here, um, because you just never know, you know, what could happen any given day, right? So I, as I mentioned before, so my mom, she. um she suffers from Alzheimer's and, and dementia, right? And and we, my dad and I, you know, we saw the signs um, early, uh, maybe fifteen years ago, and I think uh, shortly after um, that she was diagnosed officially uh, with it. But um, but we saw the signs um, early. Uh, we don't know what caused it. You know, it's just something that that naturally happened. Um, I guess. But, um, but you know, I look back at a lot of our conversations as just knowing the type of lady who she was right i mean when when I was in in school, um sometimes when she used to work at retail stores, she used to go pick me up and and you know from school, and she would take me to my grandma's and you know she cooked at our house and she brought me a bowl of food because she knew that i wasn't a fan of my grandma's food and you know like just the fact that she went through the effort of cooking and bringing me food like in the car just to so that i could eat it on the way Um, you know, just kind of speaks to the type of lady she was. And, you know, me being an only child, you know, I was always her world and, and, you know, and, and seeing her go through this, um, disease has been one of the hardest experience for both, you know, me and my dad. And, and as I said, right, we, we just saw her get progressively worse throughout the years. And. Today, unfortunately, you know, she she's obviously still alive, uh, but she is at a, a nursing facility because, you know, it got to a point where, you know, my dad is close to being, um, well, he's he's already in the 70s, and he, he turned 70 um, this year, and, you know, he's gone through two hip surgeries, and it's not easy, you know, for, for him by himself to take care of my mom. You know, there was my mom would just sometimes get up late at nights and just start walking in the room like back and forth and just talking nonsense, right? So, you know, I got to a point where we spoke and we made the decision, hey, that's probably the best because, I mean, I I can't help you physically because I'm not there. And, you know, you're getting to a point where, you know, you're getting older in age and, you know, you just got to do the best, right? And, what I regret, I guess, the most was as she was progressing through it, she could still have a conversation with you, right? So she would ask you the same thing multiple times, right? And, you know, it got to a point where you're like, like, Mom, when we ju- I just told you the same thing, right? Um, but now, like now she barely speaks, like you can't get a word that you can identify from her—it's just mumbling, and you know, going back, and you know, it, you just wish that she would ask you the same thing. You know, it, it like it wouldn't matter. Like right. w- seeing her today, you're like, man, I wish you would just asked me like something coherent, and I could tell her, you know, what happened. And and I not having that opportunity today, you know, it's really hard. And then biggest thing for me was that, so she always wanted a daughter, right? After she had me, of course, and that, that never happened. So she always put it on me to kind of, hey, like I want granddaughters and whatnot. And the fact that I have two girls and she's not able to enjoy them is one of the worst feelings that you could have um, as a son. Now, she did meet my oldest daughter, and she did get to spend a lot of time with her, and, you know, acknowledging that Adriana was her granddaughter. Like, at least for a little while, she knew who she was. After a while, to her, it was just like another any other girl that she may see there. Right, she hasn't met Andrea, which is our our seven month old um but that to me you know it's it's one of the most difficult things, so if anything, you know from this experience what i what I would say is just people you- people you hold dear um you know just make sure that even if you know it annoys you for whatever reason, just make sure that. You're there for them and that you pay attention and you listen to them because today i can't have a conversation with my mother yeah and i i wish i had that opportunity even if if you were asking me the same thing 10 15 20 times whatever it was right so so yeah that's that's one it's 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 emotional of course but but one thing i i wanted to share um, because I think it's important I think we we sometimes take our family for granted because they're there and um you know I just don't want others making the same mistake that I did so yeah
0: yeah, that's a yeah, that's a powerful story to you know think about and talk about um it is hard going through those things um and then you think back and you're like you know I wish this I wish that yeah and it's unfortunate that you can't change it yeah so you know do what you can now and be grateful and be empathetic mm-hmm. and you know show compassion and kindness right yep um, yeah I I do wish you know your family all the best and everything
1: and it's I know it's not an easy time at all um, thank you yeah and yeah, my wife has helped me through it a lot I mean my wife she's She's amazing um super mom, super wife um she's helped me to a lot, so um really thankful uh, for her and uh, the two princesses that she's given me. She's a super mom man, I tell you it's amazing what mothers do um, being there at birth, um, you know just seeing all the effort that goes into it, and just when you see your your kid you're like wow that's the most beautiful thing i've seen yeah um so no she's been a rock um for me so yeah amazing your wife sounds like a badass i haven't met her <laughs> she is she is she's a badass um uh we also piss each other off quite often but that's part <laughs> of the, that's part of the game yeah uh, right so right. well, now i mean i great great person to spend the rest of my life with um so yeah yeah
0: um that's a you know powerful story right uh is so i always ask um at the end of every episode like Mm -hmm. what piece of advice you want to give uh to anyone listening you want to live on that, jomar said you know you want your kids and your grandkids to
1: Hold on to uh, like what's that? What's that one piece of advice? I think that's just it, you know. I mean, I, I use that learning experience from from my story, right? Um, whoever you you hold dear, whoever you love, just make sure that you're always there for them, um, because so many things could happen, you know, um, unexpectedly from one day to the other that, um, you know, you just don't know. Um, Things can change in a matter of a second. And you don't wanna be the person that had an opportunity to tell uh, something to someone or or how much that person meant to you and you didn't, right? Or you didn't take advantage of uh, an opportunity to spend time with them. You know, a, a lot of the times and you know, if if people are coming to visit, for example, uh, maybe not visiting me, but let's say they're in the area and it's a close friend or whatever. And sometimes we get lazy, right? It's like, hey, like let's go grab dinner, and you're like, man, I don't really want to go outside the house. I kind of just want to stay yeah. here. But man, just do it. You never know when's the last time you're gonna see that person, right? Absolutely. Uh, so just. Um, Keep those you love close. Um, enjoy every moment and uh, never take anything for granted, man, because you just never know.
0: Yeah, uh, that's beautiful advice. I, I try to live that. I try to follow it. Um, I'm, I'm not perfect, but I do my best. Uh, and I hope others listening do the same. Um, so, yeah, uh, thank you so much for coming along, hanging out, sharing your story. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um,
1: Thanks for having me. Um, sorry if I ramble too much. <laughs> I don't at all. No. Uh,
0: I don't know if I've said it, but I love just, you know, sitting here and whoever's here, you just talk and go and it is, I don't know, I think it's beautiful. It's, I compare it to art. You can yeah. just listen to it and in my mind it just goes and Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much again. I appreciate it. And uh, until next time. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me again. Yep. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Fatal to Prejudice. If you or anyone you know would like to be a guest, please visit my website at CameronChats.com and fill out the contact me form. Please fill out the subject line as podcast interview and write me a small blurb on why you or someone you know should be a guest. I'll leave a link in the description for ease of access. You can support this podcast by listening to it on your favorite podcasting site. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Another way to support is by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash fatal to prejudice. Patreon is the only monetary support system. If you would like to sign up and support through there, I am forever grateful for you. Again, thank you for tuning in.